Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's 13th of August, year of our Lord, 2017. And as you know by now, that is the riots in Charlottesville. And, uh, wow. I hate to, I hate to say the phrase that I usually say with glee. And this time I say it with disgust, but here we are. Exactly where I thought we'd be as both sides ramp up higher and higher and higher into their hate of other Americans. And that was Antifa protesters inciting the Nazis. And as I wrote on my personal Facebook, BLM, Antifa, Nazis and white nationalists all in one area. Everything wrong with this, with, everything's wrong with America. And right off the bat, R- Lieutenant H.J. Cullen, 48, a Middle Othian, Virginia, and Trooper Pilot Burke M.M. M. Bates of Quinton, VA, are both passed because their helicopter crashed. James Alex Field Jr. plows his car 
because we'll go through it. It's more than what the media is going to tell you. And a young lady is killed, 35 injured. 35 injured in protests, which originated from the removing of a statue. So as we go through it, my angle is going to be on how the media is not telling the whole truth, how the left is now capitalizing on this, Ten times worse than what you saw with the Scalise shooting. And everything is linked back to a party, which you did not see with the shooter of the baseball practice. But right off the bat, Nazis, white nationalists, BLM, Antifa, in Tony Reed's perspective, are all evil organizations. What happened down there is a crime. Ramming people with the car is not free speech. And the whole incident just disgusts me. So, going through the usual, this is what you expect to see on a day like this. Michael Moore, Trump's America, the last days of white rule. It's always a bitch to have to give up power you held for 300 years. Dinesh D'Souza, let's remember the founders of the Democratic Party. Andrew Jackson was a slave owner. Lee opposed both slavery and succession. That was the statue they were trying to take down. J.K. Rowling, hell of a day for president to forget how to tweet. Then he does his tweet, we all must be united and condemn all that hate stands for. There's no place for this kind of violence in America, let's come together as one. Of course, we'll see that the media and everybody, that was a good enough. It, nothing Trump would have said would be good enough. For the record, he should have been a little more pointed and just said it. Antifa, white nationalists, Nazis, they're hate groups. This is not what America stands for. But as we'll see, everybody says he thinks they tipped his hat to white nationalists because David Duke tweeted. So J.K. Rowling knew from Hallmark, platitudes for the Nazi mob in your life. Keith Oberman was quick to jump on it and capitalize on this. You unleash this hatred and violence. You are the inspiration for these domestic terrorists. We will not let you turn us into Nazi Germany. Once again, don't know where he comes up with this stuff. And most of the the whole left, that this is what they believe, that he unleashed hatred in America, and it's his fault. So as you'll see, there's a current theme. He made this happen. Everything down there is his fault. But that's to be expected. The President of the United States is now, by his own words and action, apologist for domestic terrorist. Real Donald Trump must be removed. Any elected Republican who does not publicly support the impeachment of this de facto domestic terrorist must be run out of office. Jim Treacher. Keith always knows exactly what he's expected to say. Here's my problem, and I know it sounds like I'm capitalizing on it. Uh, folks, let's be honest. Did any Democrat ever have to condemn the shooter of Steve Scalise. In fact, the media actually said, what do we need to do to tamp down 
the partisanship. And they softballed to allow all these lefty politicians to just say, well, the right needs to stop being the right. And that, that was another thing. All Republicans are to be blamed for this. Jim Acosta, this is when Trump can seize the bully pulpit for good. Time to condemn neo-Nazis and white supremacists in no uncertain terms. Larry Sabato, false equivalency, post just scurred the nature of what I've seen, white nationalist defiling UVA. Jim Acosta, another president used the term many sides given the chance. He didn't condemn these white supremacists and neo-Nazis by name. His statement was, we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. On many sides. I'm going to play an audio tape you'll never hear of a lady walking through it. You will see people hit with urine, which we've proven on the show is one of the tools of the Antifa. Many sides were down there. Nazis, Antifa are the same, folks, even though the media doesn't want to say it. They injure people, they damage stuff, they burn shit down, they throw piss on Katie Kirk. You'll see it. Governor Mike Huckabee came out, white supremacy crap is worst kind of racism, evil, and perversion of God's truth to ever think our creator values something above others. Keith Elberman. Your president just equated white supremacy to his own victim, sir. You either denounce him or you share his evil. Kirk Eichenwall, kudos when kudos deserve. Thank you, Governor Mike Huckabee. That's how far off the map Keith Oberman is. When Kirk Eichenwald, who wants the president assassinated, commends him, what the fuck? Brad Ledbetter did, Alex Bledsoe did, Dean Evajalgu decided to be what Dems were yesterday. Laugh out loud, you still hate queer people, you dumbass. Yeah. Mike Skolnick, white people, time for us to have serious conversations with our families, the Nazi marching on our cousins, nephews, brothers, and uncles. When we see overt racism, white people, especially progressives, we want to say that's not us, plus distance ourselves, but we know those Nazis. For many of us who grew up in predominantly white communities who went to school with those Nazis marching with torches, we know them. Why does the left believe every white person did this? I heard the gay do Robert Roberts on MSDNC actually say something to an effect of the same thing. And I was just in shock, like, what? No, no, I'm sorry, progressives. I don't know any Nazis. Nobody in my family is a Nazi. Nobody in my family is a white nationalist. Nobody in my family has ever protested over a statue. I'm sorry to hurt your feelings, but I have nothing to do with that. Linda Sassar, our kids were taught about the KKK in history. Now they're witnessing them in the present, this time without hoods. Vanessa Waters, per time to have some more e-fame, huh? Hope Zero Kevin. I know watching Antiphon action is like a bad historical deja vu. The foo, Linda, you feed this hate. You love it. You need it to keep conning progressives into buying your bullshit. Crazy. On the plus side, Linda has never derided someone because of their race. Wait, never mind. Oh, she's never wished pain on enemies. Wait, never mind. And G, a female African American. She's the one wearing hood 
these days. And she is. To some of the coverage, Vox, neo-Nazis are rallying in Virginia today. Here's how they think about the alt-right, and they gave them this big face. Uh, they covered a book, Kill All Normies. Unite the Right Rally. Steve Bannon's the devil. And they did a book review. Mikkel McKendenley. I've seen people get their skulls straight crushed today here in Charlottesville during Unite the Right Rally. Seth Fransman, insane live video from Charlottesville show white nationalists with shields fighting others and Black Lives Matter. NBC, CBS, nobody would cover who was there. They were saying anti-racist protesters. That's how the media covered it because they didn't want to say what was going on. Katie Couric, as I mentioned. Two of my producers just got sprayed with urine. Lovely hard to keep your cool. Somebody said, oh, I noticed you didn't put Antifa in there. Media wouldn't cover it. Alex Rubenstein, I just watched a car plow through dozens of protesters, extremely heavy injuries, BuzzFeed covered it, the world covered it, the male suspect was captured, we'll talk about him in a second. Mike Signer, I am heartbroken that a life has been lost here, I urge all people of goodwill to go home. I guess he's a white nationalist. Blake Montgomery, one of the, uh, there's two reporters from Canada who actually reported our reporters and MSDNC, which I watch live, purposely didn't show stuff or purposely showed half images, half pictures. And we'll talk about some in a second. Because once again, this is the angle I'm taking. Everybody there was wrong. The guy who murdered somebody, he's a piece of shit. He needs to go to jail, not defending anybody's action. I'm not defending the people protesting a statue. I'm not a Nazi. I'm not a white nationalist. What I'm saying is our media once again gave you half the story. They did it on purpose because it doesn't fit their liberal narrative, which is peaceful protesters. When Antifa burns out a city, they're peaceful protesters. When BLM says kill all those white people, it's peaceful protesters. And they did it all day yesterday. Blake Montgomery, once again, one of the Canadian uh, reporters. The Charlottesville mayor has confirmed that one person is dead. One eyewitness is saying, CBS 19, that the people hit were an Antifa block. You didn't see that anywhere. Nobody said who they were hit. And there's a reason why it's important. As the prologue sound is, this is more than just the white nationalists. This turned into a total goat fuck, and we'll see why. McCarthy said there were no license plates on the car, and there was dark tin on the window. Uh, out of police station and back of the scene, police have completely shut down the block. The Associated Press... Trump blames many sides for violent clashes between protesters and white supremacists. Hallie Jackson for NBC and FWIW have asked the White House what the president meant by that. I asked the White House what POTUS meant. Protesters and counter-protesters what he meant, but the media won't acknowledge that Antifa was part of it. 
David Axelrod, on many sides, the strategy fomented by white supremacists and neo-Nazis. What signal did POTUS just send? Maggie Haberman, no member of the GOP leadership, has called on POTUS to be more forceful today. At the time she did this, Corey Gardner, praying for those hurt and killed today in Charlotte. This is nothing short of domestic terrorism. It should be named as such. Mr. President, we call evil by his name. These were white supremacists, and this was domestic terrorists. That was already done prior to her tweet. Prior to her tweet. But the New York Times, Glenn Thrush, et al. were pushing a narrative yesterday. From It's Going Down, our Antifa website. We are not surprised. They break down all the things they've been doing and they talk about what they do. As our friends lie bleeding in the streets and cold in the morgue and unapologetic neo-Nazi violence escalates to never not seen a decade, Charleston Mayor Mike Signer tells us to go home. He cannot bring himself to say a neo-Nazi murdered someone fighting against white supremacy while I stood and did nothing. So we did, see that they even hate him. Yeah. They even have ground zero photos of everything the media won't show you. On it's going down. You see them as the aggressors, not the white nationalists. They even say what we have to do. First, we can't afford accord fascist any legitimacy. One network described them as white activists last night. Such euphemisms are inappropriate for people giving the Nazi salute. It must be clear to everyone that they are not attempting to participate in dialogue, but rather seek to start a war. And then they say, don't trust the, anybody. We must take it in our hand, and we must take it to them, even if we must die. Yeah. Think progress. White supremacists cheer Trump's response. They found some random guy online, and they threw it up there to further discredit the president. But in their article, buried... The counter-protesters include members of Black Lives Matter, faith leaders, and Antifa, a far-left group whose activists often dress in black and wear baklavas. HuffPo, anti-racist protesters, shared a beautiful moment together before terror struck. Had an article about how it was a beautiful moment. Plinken, who had lived in Charlottesville for five years and worked as an administrator for the University of Virginia, I remember people flying into me, telling me to run and get out of the way, and watching people fly like they were just bowling pins. A beautiful moment ripped away from us. As they did not peacefully protest. Mark Romano, another successful day for Antifa and their enablers, the Democratic Party and the media. These people are sick. I'm just going to cover a couple of pictures from alternative media. By alternative, I don't mean alt-right media. I mean Canadian, British, and most definitely Twitter. I started Twitter just to get real news about the DNC convention. You couldn't get it from the media. They were sugar-glazing it. The only way you could see an actual representation was on Twitter or DirecTV, which aired directly no commercials, no pundits, one camera for both conventions. 
And you could see the truth. You could see the protests, the walkouts, but you couldn't see it on the media. And in situations like this, I always go to Twitter because you got people on the ground. Colin Rugg. Cops and Klan go hand in hand. Two white girls. Peaceful protesters for BLM. One of the big pictures you saw was a bunch of bushes and you see a guy swinging at somebody with a Confederate flag. But actually, it is a African-American male with a lit paint can spraying it at him. A picture that you'll see a lot of is black, white ladies walking down with their flags and their anti-racist protesters, is what they're being saying. They're, they're saying that that's the catchphrase by the media. It's a perfect picture. Smiles. Then two seconds later, the same photo is taken by a Canadian journalist and the black woman is flipping off white people. CRISPR, who was on the ground. Normal person. Here's why the car incident happened. Antifa were trying to kill people in cars with bricks. Jason Kessler, a white nationalist, tweeted this. Some of our people are still trapped in Leeds Park. They can't get vehicles to pick them up because Antifa are throwing bricks. Sabine Antifa, throw them harder, comrades. Smite the right with bricks. Iraya King. Hashtag BLM. Y'all got owned. I'm loving it. Olaf Bear for body. Good. I hope your people catch a few bricks in the face. Another Antifa. I hope they all die. Masonic B. Run for us. Run. Kylie Williams. Your, you people are animals. Trapped is good. Jay Caruso, nothing wrong with calling out white supremacists by name and calling out Antifi by name and condemning both. It goes on and on. I, I can, I, I, I can just keep reading. And I'm just speechless. I'm just speechless. Because unlike the media, everybody down there is wrong. BLM's wrong, Antifa's wrong, white nationalists are wrong, Nazis are wrong. They're all deplorable. There's no level of deplorability in my eyes. That's not peaceful protesting. You're not out there trying to change things. You're out there to incite a riot. And one of the more shocking things is Faith Goldie, a Canadian reporter who walked through the event. The things you will hear on this from Antifa. The fact that Antifa and BLM without a permit were authorized to come in there and march, which incited the problems and the violence. Up until that, they just looked like a bunch of redneck, racist pieces of shit, walking around with tiki torches, being racist. 
That in itself could have framed anything the left wanted out of this. But what they did is they allowed all these anti-fascists to come in with their black bicycle helmets and bandanas. And that's when the shit went to hell. Hey everyone. Hey, we are on the ground right now in Charlottesville. I want to give you a little picture of what's going on right now. Um, there was a lot of police activity in full riot gear. They basically quarantined off um, the very center of the park. I'll show you. It's basically broken up into a bunch of mini protests. Um, largely, there's a lot less activity between the two groups mingling now, besides a few little things there. You can see there are a lot of interesting signs and people out here. This lovely lady who's here to laugh at people with flaccid penises. I don't know, grown woman, but who knows. There's a huge presence of BLM here. The anti-fascistas just about everywhere. But I want to show you some of the more interesting parts. And again, I'm just showing you one of the mini um, grants. One of the more of the, the minier protests of what's going on, sorry. Um, but what we saw a little bit earlier was a lot of macing. Uh, I hear that baked Alaska. And I think uh, Richard Spencer also got mace. Okay, here we go. Right, guys are starting to move in now. Okay, one second. Let me show you what I'm walking towards here. Right, police right behind us. They're starting to take steps. As you can see right up there, cops and army snipers. Oh yeah, they got their spotting scopes. They're fully loaded over there. These guys are walking right on us. I'll remind you that that uh, the alt-right, uh, Jason Kessler, they did receive a federal order that they were allowed to, to march here. They were allowed to come in and have a peaceful protest here. Um, the next day, look at what happens. We've got riot police, full gear, pretty decked out. I'm not entirely sure why they're stepping in more, to be honest. Again, there you got some military up there. I mean, things are relatively peaceful right now at this point, just because of the fact that there is some sort of division of the two groups. I'm seeing some media here. I, I'm blocked. I'm not allowed to go any further. Folks, every single time that I get closer, the cops tell me why we're not allowed to move any closer. Hi there, sir. So, little update. It's been declared a state of emergency. Um, again, it's very confusing as to why. Uh, you saw on Richard Spencer's Periscope a little bit earlier when these riot gear cops were walking in. He said, we just want to march peacefully. We saw them do that in D.C. Of course, once the uh, anti-fascistas come. All right, they're moving. I'm not looking to get arrested. I like to get home at some point. Um, but he said, we're not looking to, uh, we're not looking to, to, uh, cause any problems. But of course the anti-fascists come up with their mace, their dog spray. It's pretty wild. I, I don't know why they're marching in on us. This seems so ridiculous. Like nothing is happening right now here. It's, uh, I, I'm very confused. I'm very confused. You know, it's hilarious to me that so many of these people, um, were part of the BLM riots. And these houses here would be smashed right now if this was a BLM protest. 
but like five minutes into this, it was supposed to start at 12 p.m. local time noon. It's just past 12 right now, and already it's been shut down before even beginning. I don't understand what they're planning on doing here. Hey, yeah. Yeah, no problem. I'm just I'm just live on Periscope. One second, guys. Well, I don't know why they're marching right now. Okay, we're literally getting pushed over. This is so confusing to me. Okay, here. Check, take a look at what's going on on the other side of me. If this You can see what's going on. Oh, we got some interesting, colorful priests over here. One of the three. Okay. Here, let's take a picture. Oh, yeah. Well, these people. I'm gonna take it. What's up? I'm here with Faith Goldie at this uh, Charlottesville thing. Hey guys. Peace. Yeah, go for it. If you guys know of anything that's going on, other people's periscopes, feel free to tell me in the messages. If someone, yeah, of course. Hold on one second, guys. I'm, I'm getting into a picture. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. God bless. You have a good one. Anyway, guys, so I'm just showing you some of the sights and sounds around to get into some of my thoughts about what's going on. All right, these are state police over here, obviously. A little less equipped. Got their handguns. And then we've got some, I guess, anti-fascista churches here. <laughs> A lot of the churches were holding prayer services in advance of what's going on here today. So, just a reminder for what we saw go down and um, why we're here in the first place. I'm not participating, I'm just reporting a little bit. And what I'm interested in doing is kind of explaining things to, to the alt-light, frankly, and, and to people who might be like, well, what the hell, what, what's going on over here? What, what? It's, it's a movement that's happening right now. Um, there's been a rising in the, in the alt-right. You can see that just from their sheer numbers, from one um, protest, one march, one demonstration to another. There has been a rising in, um, I think, white racial consciousness uh, after decades of identity politics, which underscored um, non-white identities. Uh, I think a lot of uh, white men specifically, this seems to be their struggle. Uh, are are mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore. And so in advance of marching here, and of course it's significant that we're, here I'll give you some background as opposed to me just being like out in some random field here. By the way, there are helicopters up in the sky. Not sure if they're military or if they're, they're TV. They're probably media just because they're lurking a little bit. Um, so the significance of why they're here at Lee Park in Virginia is because of the fact that um, Robert E. Lee, obviously a Confederate general, uh, he has a huge statue here in this park, and uh, members of the council, specifically the vice mayor um, of this town, uh, they wanted to move to have this statue removed, even though it cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to the taxpayer. Of course, this is a typical lefty BLM, let's remove our history, and uh, just because we don't like it, it makes us feel uncomfortable. So there's some significance, of course, in Jason Kessler, Richard Spencer, Baked Alaska, all these guys meeting here. And um, again, they had the permit to speak here. The city tried to quarantine them to a baseball field. They said, well, no, 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 that's not, that's not our plan. They got a federal court order, as I understand it, to 
um, to exercise their right to, to peaceful demonstration, to peaceful protest and, and assembly. And of course, that was cut short even before it really began over here. Yeah, just some more photo ops. So, um, I, I've, I've had a lot of folks on Twitter, not even from the alt-light, I think a lot of folks even from the alt-light at least spent enough time online to know what's been going on and to see the rumblings of what I take to be a movement. And last night, at least uh, to my knowledge, it came out last night, um, altright.com was advertising a, um, what do they call it? A Charlottesville statement, this 20-point kind of a mixture of like Martin Luther's, you know, thesis meets the French Revolution's tennis court oath. It was um, 20 points around which they could all um, uh, just rally. Everything from race, the JQ, which is of course um, is something that the alt-right spends a lot of time talking about, um, uh, economics, women and sex. Uh, globalism, and they just had the, a few sentences under each uh, dis dis discussing their stance. And I think it's kind of interesting because of the fact that there has been some, there are, certainly are some points of contention within the alt-right. Um, some people who spend more time, say, focusing on the JQ, some people who are, you know, more respect women as opposed to, like, anti-feminist to the point of being, um, let's say, anti-woman to a degree. It was interesting to see a... Um, a real consolidation of, of just one idea um, under all of these subheadings to the larger alt-right umbrella. So, yeah, this is what's going on. Apparently, BLM can can torch places, anti-Trump protesters. I mean, I was here for the inauguration not too long ago. I was at University of Berkeley, and you know, it's pretty cool when it's the left doing this stuff. But you know, it's become such a tired adage. But when the right does it, all of a sudden, it's it's illegal, and, and your federal court order be damned. All right, so we've got a little bit of a human-linked fence here. Not sure why, to be honest. Not sure what they're doing, why they're linking, but okay. All right, guys. Let me turn this around a little bit. Okay, this is kind of lame. I want to go further in, but I don't think they're going to let me. Oh, sorry, bud. Sorry, I'm gonna, you guys are probably getting a little bit dizzy. Oh my gosh, look at this boss. <laughs> look aside. And why America? We would love the black man, we love the white man. Alright guys, I'm gonna peace out, see if I can find myself a new spot and uh, come back to you guys. Enjoy for now here. Peace out for now, guys. Uh, how many people in the movement were there to record the? Oh, there there are a lot of people who are recording on the ground right now. I've just been I've just been quarantined over here, um, so I don't know. I'm going to try to get a little bit further in, but bye for now, guys. I'll see you in a bit. I don't know her background. It sounds like she's pretty pro alt right, but I thought it was an interesting perspective. So that's why I put it up there because as you watch. This morning's coverage, which I have not watched, uh, 
any of the Sunday shows, they have linked it all to Republicans. It is all GOP. It is three dead because of the protests. And from all my research looking at it, this went to shit in a handbasket because they decided somehow that it was the politically correct thing to do to put everybody evil on the planet in one spot. Which is my premise. All those groups are evil. All those people have motives that are against America. What America stands for and everything we hold dear. BLM, Antifa, Nazis, white supremacists. They're not Americans. They hate this country. But our media and the Democrats choose to promote that BLM and Antifa are just a bunch of school kids fighting the fight. When we've proven over and over and over and over and over, Antifa is a terrorist organization. BLM are as racist as Nazis. They're the same thing. They're the same thing. And I, and I walk away as an American, a normal American, and these fly over states disgusted with what I watched. Just disgusted. Disgusted with the actions of all parties. Disgusted with the media. And, and totally disgusted that some dude from Ohio, this James Fieldy dude, literally thought the right thing to do was to jump in his car and plow people over and kill him. That was the right thing to do. What the fuck is wrong with you all? All. And yes, the president could have been more firm. He should have been more firm. He should have said racism has no place in America. But the initial statement was right. All sides. Not just one, all. So we'll cover this more in our next podcast. We'll move on. On May 23rd, the Department of State took further action and asked two officials accredited to the Embassy of Cuba to depart. And here's why. Two embassy workers in Cuba were attacked. It was buried in the media. You and I never heard about it. Until now. Ben Rhodes, it's tragic that some people in Florida are so determined to cling to a failed hardline in Cuba that they're hitching themselves to Donald Trump. Trump doesn't care about the human rights of Cuban people and his policies will do nothing to help them. Josh Rogan, Ben Rhodes held a press conference in Amy Klobuchar's office to cry Trump's Cuba changes. Neon Taser, I never met a Cuban who didn't hate Castro, but coastal white men always know best. Ben Rhodes, a few people in Miami, enabled Trump to carry out his charade, should be embarrassed, held accountable. He could care less about Cubans. Actual Cubans and HR orgs oppose Trump's policy. It's absurd that his retrograde approach to Cuba can be dressed up as support for HR. Sean Davis, how should Cuban refugees who fled Castro's regime be held accountable for opposing Castro, Ben? Be specific. I cover that briefly. 
Because I don't understand why a guy used to be a butts driver that's a fiction writer who was allowed to fucking orchestrate a $1 trillion give to Iran, a country that killed American soldiers in the war on terror, and he still is a player in the Democratic Party. I guess I should refer back to BLM and Antifa. Let's close the loop. To the NRA fisking, a actual dim New York representative said the following. I'm just going to say NRA and Dana Loesch are quickly becoming domestic security threats under President Trump. We can't ignore that. But she wanted more attention. Beyond the pale, NRA is a disgrace to the Constitution. They claim to defend lunatics actively encouraging violence against free press. Cameron Gray MS-13 has slaughtered black and Hispanic teens in Long Island. Tonight, Representative Kathleen Rice tweeted harsher words for Dana Loesch than for MS-13. Patricia Arquette, the actress, stop your domestic threat rhetoric and no one will see you as one. Stick to the Second Amendment rights, Dana Loesch. Dana Loesch, fact-checking and condemning violence is a domestic threat Are you, and you want to control my speech? She then said, by destroying the First Amendment, Patricia Arquette said that. Wow. This is an actress and a government official. Rephrase. An elected government official just labeled me and millions of others domestic security threats. Wow. Ben McDonald. I'm just going to say at the Dems and Representative Kathleen Rice are quickly becoming threats to freedom of speech. We can't ignore that. Adam White, we've reached a point where an elected official eagerly denouncing an innocent American, innocent Americans as domestic security threats. Others, it is a deeply irresponsible thing to write, Representative Rice, should be reprimanded. Wandering Jew, how many guns did you have to suck to get that NRA spokesperson job? You're worst at it, so don't, couldn't have been from a good interview. Thomas Jones. Yeah, but don't assume you aren't being used for their own ulterior motives. Colin Noir. What are these ulterior motives? And that's a black NRA spokesman who's done videos. And here comes the left. You're their token black guy. That isn't to say you're not good at what you do. I love your vids, but you are a token minority. Colin Noir, I'm a token because I'm black, so if I were white, I'd just be a good advocate. And this went on and on and on. It it is unbelievable how evil the left has become in regards to anything that doesn't support their cause. So much that reporters were dogging Dana Loesch so bad that it incited the violence and rhetoric against her on Twitter until this moment. And this is a surprising moment. On our last podcast, Yashar Ali was dogging her. And here he bent the knee. 
Want to follow up on Dana Loesch fist-fist situation from last week. It's been bothering me on a number of levels. Something that has always bothered me is how misogynistic language is used against conservative women. I find it abhorrent. When I have called out the use of such language in the past, some people have said to me, they asked for it. No woman asked or deserves this. No question my tweeting that Dana said fist instead of fist led to her getting tweets that were filled with misogynistic attacks. For my mistake, I apologize unreservedly to Dana Loesch. No one deserves to receive threats of any sort. For those of you who dislike Loesch or object to her political approach, it doesn't matter what she says does. No one deserves threats. The reason this has taken me a week is because I was processing what happened and objected personally to anyone saying I lied. I lie means there's intent, intent to deceive. I didn't lie. I generally thought, and I wasn't the only one, that she said fist. Fisk isn't a word that's commonly used. The NRA tweet also used the word fist in the tweet. NRA tweet also used one minute of four minute ad. Just an explanation, not an excuse. Check out the transcript of closed captioning from months ago revealed Dana Lowe said Fisk. I'm a gun owner, not an NRA member. Why I firmly disagree with the NRA's ad campaign and Dana Loesch messaging. No one deserves threats. Some may come after me because they believe Dana Loesch uses incendiary language. Whether she does or doesn't isn't material. My mistake led to her getting threats and misogynistic language hurled at her, and that's what I'm apologizing to her for. And Dana Loesch, I appreciate and accept Yoshur's apology. In a climate such as this, it's important we celebrate civility and give grace. I was shocked, but I was glad to see because I don't understand. I don't think the media understands what they do. As they always pick sides, the Chuck Todds, the Yashar Ali's, the Thrushes, the Maggie Haberman. They empower the evil that comes from the left towards women of the right. And when we get to the news and social media nuggets, you'll understand why I say that. Some that are new to the show haven't listened to all the things I've shown on here all the evil things said towards Republican women. I have articles from newspapers that will blow your mind. They would never be printed. Ever. But I left it in there because it's so goddamn crazy. Blondes and high heels. I'm not making that up. Just put it in your brain. Expect to hear it. It's crazy. Google memo. Street artists decide to go after these subs of bitches. And they have these art. Of the gulag and the pictures of the liberals that have ran Apple and Google. Some will say this is crazy. But then documents come out. For example, 10 of 13 Alphabet board members have given more than $3.9 million to political candidates and groups since 1989, according to Open Secrets. Of that, 80%, $3,129,964 went to Democrats. 509,000 went to Republicans. The remaining 282,606 went to groups that funded Democrats. Somebody summed it up pretty good. People who say that men can have babies and women can turn into men want to lecture people about true science. It's true. It's true. The most donations came from L. John Doerr one million dollars he has given. One 
million to Democrats. Bloomberg, Google cancel staff meeting to address gender issues. Wow, Prague just straight up attacking science now. Remember when the religious were the science heretics? And that's in reference to Salon, the ugly pseudoscience, pseudoscientific history behind the sexist Google manifesto. <laughs> Whole articles. Just, they won't let it go. Because they know this is bad. They break down why men are better at certain fields like engineering. That's all false. Hormones make us who we are. That's all false. Career choices prove the biological difference. That's all false. The doctor history of biological determinism. New York Times. The Google engineer was fired on Monday for a memo he wrote that made the case that there were fewer women in technical positions because of biological differences rather than discrimination. Katie Benner, a technological reporter covering venture capitalists and startups, reflected on the discrimination of Silicon Valley on Twitter. Below are Benner's original tweets, and it's all, everybody's sexist, everybody's racist. And they gave her... A whole section. The New York Daily News, Josh Greenman noticed that a search of Google News for James Damore, the now infamous ex-Google employee who was fired for writing a memo of diversity, does not autocomplete. They've gone into the analytics and ensured it doesn't autocomplete. I checked it. It is true. So go back to the election. They're all in. DuckDuckGo, which I've never heard of, decided to troll them. Man, we so hope this gift actually came from DuckDuckGo. It's definitely master level trolling. And it pretty much tells you we don't have problems. Come to DuckDuckGo. And I'm going to check it out because I'm pretty close to not using Google. Um, let's see. A gruesome House Democrats want answers from Google about the divisive internal memo that criticized the Internet search giant's diversity initiative. In a letter to Google CEO Sundar Pichai, the group applauded the company for firing the author of the memo, but expressed concern that the note was indicative of a larger problem. Unfortunately, the disclosure of this manifesto released of recent diversity numbers by a number of tech companies serves as further reminder that the very companies that aim to lead us into the connected future maintain a work environment that mirrors America less inclusive past. The letter sent Tuesday was signed by Democratic representatives Robin Kelly, Pramilia Yapapa, James Raskin, and Jan Schakowsky. So now the Democrats don't want people to fucking ever think anything. No dissenting voices. In this article, the episode has become a flashpoint for the wider debate over sexism and political correctness, which conservatives say suppress dissenting voices and liberal bastions like Silicon Valley. Wall Street Journal finally let this guy speak. I was fired by Google this past Monday for a document that I wrote and circulated internally raising questions about cultural taboos and how they cloud over our thinking about gender diversity at the company. I suggested that at least some of the male, female, blah, 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 blah. My 10-page document set out what I considered a reason, well-researched, good-faith argument, but as I wrote it, the viewpoint I was putting forward is generally suppressed at Google because of the company's ideological echo chamber. My firing neatly confirms that point. How did Google, the company that hires the smartest people in the world, become so ideologically driven and intolerant of scientific debate and reasoned arguments? 
We all have moral preferences and beliefs about how the world is and should be. Having these views challenged can be painful, so we tend to avoid people with differing values and to associate with those who share our values. This self-segregation has become much more potent in recent decades. We are more mobile and can sort ourselves into different communities. We wait longer to find and choose just the right mate, and we spend much of our time in digital world personalized to fit our views. That's pretty true. Um, Google is particularly intense echo chamber because it is in the middle of Silicon Valley and so life encompassing as a place to work with free food, internal memo, meme boards, and weekly company-wide meetings, Google became a huge part of its employees' lives. Some even live on campus. For many, including myself, working at Google is a major part of their identity, almost like a cult with its own leaders and saints, all believed to rightfully uphold the sacred motto of don't be evil. Echo chambers maintain themselves by creating a shared spirit and keeping discussion confined within limits. As Noam Chomsky once observed, the smart way to keep people passive and obedient is to strictly limit the spectrum of acceptable opinion, but allow very lively debate within that spectrum. But echo chambers also have to guard against dissent and opposition, whether it's in our homes, online, or our workplace, Consensus is maintained by shaming people to conformity or excommunicating them and they persist in, if they persist in violating taboos. Public shaming serves not only to display the virtues of those doing the shaming, but also warns others that the same punishment awaits them if they don't confirm. In my document, I committed hearsay against Google Creed by stating that all the disparities between men and women that we see in the world are the result of discriminatory treatment. He further on in the article, because I don't want to read the whole thing, upper management tried to placate this surge of outrage by shaming me and misrepresenting my document, but they couldn't really do otherwise. The mob would have set upon anyone who openly agreed with me or even tolerated my views. When the whole episode finally became a giant media controversy, thanks to external leaks, Google had to solve the problem caused by many by, by my supposedly sexist anti-diversity manifesto, and the whole company came under heated and sometimes threatening scrutiny. It saddens me to leave Google and to see the company's silence, open, and honest discussion. <clears throat> if Google continues to ignore the very real issues raised by its diversity policies and corporate culture, it will be walking blind into the future, unable to meet the needs of its remarkable employees and sure to disappoint its billions of users. Congress is involved. You got all the shit fucked up in the world and Democrats want to investigate the company that helps them get elected. Sweet Jesus. Tweets of the day, Jeff Stein, John Ostoff will be leading a panel discussion at Netroots on Saturday about winning the 28 midterm elections. <laughs> a guy who lost. Brad Nur, political director, Daily Koss. 
There you go, a media member. And Lauren Underwood, a potential candidate in Illinois because she happens to be female and she's African American. Matt Gorman summed it up. Here's a couple of other things. Ostoff left on the field. A congressional seat, $30 million. The ability to vote for himself because he didn't even live there. And I thought that was just sweet God. Woo! Uh, let's see. This guy, I don't know who he is. But I'm going to read his Twitter manifesto, at least part of it. I'm getting really fucked off with people on here tweeting me and retweeting my tweets for no reason other than to wind me up. I can't focus on the love and tweets for my fans because they are completely overshadowed with people tweeting me negative shit and people retweeting my tweets to fuck up my notifications. I'm taking this seriously now and I'm fully confident that I'm being bullied purely because I made something of my life and purely because I went from nobody to someone famous. If you don't like me, then block me and leave me the hell alone. Stop tweeting me and stop retweeting my tweets for no reason. If people really want to start start trying me, then carry right on. Go on. Retweet this tweet. And I promise you I'll port every single one of your asses to the police. Because I've had enough of it now. This is real, folks. Brad the Lad Long. I didn't research him. Because I don't want to. It, it fits my premise. I'm going to be like the media now and just do complicit bias with this guy I've never heard of. And, and he went on this... If you're not a fan of mine, then do not retweet my tweets because this is becoming harassment now. I will be going to the police. Deep State Sierra. Who are you? I'm pretty sure retweeting is not a crime. He goes on. People are retweeting this now to wind me up. I warned you all once. I'm not warning you again. I'm on the phone now. Then he comes back. Hi, everyone. I've spoken to police and they said I cannot have people arrested for retweeting. So I'm going to leave Twitter. What the fuck? What the fuck? A day later, he then goes, I'm not making this up, folks. Nothing. What the fuck is wrong with people today? No tweets? Nothing? They're my fans' tweets, not anyone else's. Oh, my God. And he goes back into it. If you're brave enough to retweet, encourage others to retweet, then by God, you better have your direct messages open because I'm angry. So some internet dude did this. I had to put it in the tweet of the day because I just, wow. It's like that commercial, man. This is not how any of this works. This isn't how it works. But our tweet of the day comes from Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton has decided to let the world know that she's religious. Guess the whole sweet granny wandering in the woods motif backfired. She's trying this new thing where she might be a pastor. No, we're not making that up. Pastor Hillary, don't look at us. We just work here. Luckily, conservative Twitter helped a little with the nightmares of envisioning Hillary in charge of a church of any sort with the hashtag, hashtag Hillary Churches. Here's some of the birch. Best. Jim Dandy, the Church of Lion Technology. Kurt Michaels, Church of the Holy Cow, what is that? Daniel Snyder, Church of Late in the Day Faints. <laughs> and they had the picture of her fainting. Liars Never Win tweeted, Our Lady of Blessed Failure, Lizzie Lou Who, Church of the Holy Panders, The Morning Spoo, House of No Commandments, Rick Robertson, Our Lady of Benghazi Massacre. 
But to dovetail into this, Merriam-Webster's decided to have a word. They do a word of a day. Good morning today. Hashtag word of the day is pandemonium. And to show that the apple does not fall that far away from the tree, Chelsea Clinton said, can this please not be today's word? And I just cherry-picked one of the many replies. Falling debris. How about the word is? Your family has a unique history with that word. Hey, tweet of the day! Matt Dowd starts us off. A fundamentalist radical Christian is just as misguided and frightening as a fundamentalist radical Muslim. No difference. Boko Harambe. The radical devotees of a hippie who told us to love our neighbors as ourselves are just as scary as the radical devotees of a warlord who left behind a system of laws, punished your sin harshly in his life, and exonerated sins if you died for your faith, not atonement. We're beheading some heathens at the church picnic this afternoon. Bring a casserole. Bring the kids. Good times. Man, him and his religion thing. I, I don't know how many I've covered now. I think we're up in the teens. Mm. Alyssa Milano got a lot of hate. Judge orders new search for Clinton Benghazi emails. U.S. District Court Judge Amit Mehta ruled that the State Department had not done enough to try to track down messages Clinton may have sent about the assault on U.S. diplomatic compound on September 11th, attack that killed blah, 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 blah. People attacked the shit out of her. Who is this motherfucker? Must be Trump supporter. And that judge is a friend of Trump by any chance? Actually, an Obama judicial nominee. They need to whip up the remaining Fox viewers in a frenzy. They've run out of stories that they won't report on Trump mob corruption. I did a quick research on this, folks. They pretty much proved in court the State Department did absolutely nothing to find her emails. They buried all that shit, which we expected. That's what they did the whole time. And now judges, appointed by Obama, applying the law, are doing the right thing. John Elway, rumor of us being interested in anyone other than QBs we have is another example of irresponsible fake news. Oh, Johnny boy, you shouldn't have done this. In other words, the Broncos will not be guilted into signing Kaepernick. Karina, read the replies to this and tell me liberals aren't the most ridiculously easily triggered people on the planet. Did you just go full Trump? I'll drop this franchise after 34 years if you start mixing politics and with football. Dems are fans too. Okay, whoa, 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 time out. You guys have been pushing Kaepernick forever. What the fuck are you talking about? Another one, you want to know how to lose me as a lifelong Bronco fan and season ticket holder? Start mixing politics with sports. Alvaro, just seeing the word fake news triggered you. John Harwood, just say it's wrong, calling it fake news. Just makes intelligent people think it's true. That's a reporter, by the way. Dan, John Stephen Roca, Lord God, can everyone please stop using the asinine term fake, fake news? Don't give the morons who created it any more credibility by using it. And it went on and on. The left, whoa. They are cults. 
Camila Harris, yeah, that piece of shit representative, today remember Mike Brown and recommit to ensure truth, transparency, and trust in our criminal justice system. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Katie Pavlich, what a joke this tweet is. Ensuring truth, like the fact that Michael Brown reached for an officer's gun, which is why he was shot. Renee Nall, you don't care about the truth. And by the way, here's Eric Holder's DOJ report. They won't let that go. They still want the hands up, don't shoot. It's not even true. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Odd. No one is in denial of America's August 21st total solar eclipse. Like climate change, methods and tools of science predict it. This is the same guy who just last podcast said that we created cows to eat grass and turn into meat. Fire and Fury Road Beer. Good handle. I also like to compare two dissimilar things to pretend they're the same correlation. (laughs) Big hate comes from this fucking pig piece of shit. Hi, Mr. Kim Jong-un. Sorry if I didn't pronounce that right. Anyway, sir... Um, our President Donald is a moron. Don't listen to him. We don't. That, of course, is Rosie O'Donnell. We don't resist Trump Russia. Robert Paroli. I figured Rosie would fall on the side of the dictator or executes a citizen in the street and blocks internet access countrywide. Scott Bayo. If Rosie O'Donnell likes Kim Jong-un, the North Korean dictator, so much, how about moving there? Another 1% chance that, uh, sorry, I read that wrong. Take the rest of Hollywood nuts with her. May loves bacon, said. But there's more on this meme, because it just wasn't rosy this week. That's why we're going to do an episode on it. Our, our first segment today is going to be on North Korea. David Weigel, Ellison on Trump. Kim Jong-un, the world thought he was not a responsible leader. Well, he's acting more responsible than this guy. Here is the proof, Moonbats, that the left will coddle up to a North Korean dictator before they'll coddle up to our president. You just mentioned 9-11 during the headlines. I don't know if I agree with your analysis, but I'll say this. North Korea is a serious thing. You have this guy making bellicose threats against somebody else who has... Very little to lose over there. And Kim Jong-un, the world always thought he was not a responsible leader. Well, he's acted more responsible than this guy is. Mm. And what I'm telling you is that once, these, once you start seeing missile launches, you're going to see the, the, the time for cranking up the anti-war machine is right now. Mm. So if you don't want to get caught deer in the headlights, uh, start calling for diplomacy in North Korea immediately. Yeah, that's a representative, folks. He has been voted into office, and that's what he said. That is just horrible. To hypocrisy, CNN, it's going to put it inside the closed loop, but what the hell. What killed Stacey Ruffin? She drowned in 2016, flood in Louisiana, and that has made been made more likely and possibly more severe by climate change, are we to be blamed for her death? This is a real article. 
somebody drowned and now all of a sudden, Ian Tuttle did it. No. <laughs> no, we didn't. Daily Beast, a mom in Ohio was deported because she didn't change lanes. Real article, lady screwed up in traffic and they found she was illegal and they made a whole article based on how fucking horrible that is because she shouldn't be deported even though she's here illegally. And that's about as much hypocrisy as I can. To fake news, New York Times who started the leak climate memo, yeah, they slipped it in their corrections online. An article on Tuesday about a sweeping federal climate change report referred incorrectly to the availability of the port. While it was not widely publicized, the port report was posted by the nonprofit Internet Archive in January. It was not first made public by the New York Times, but they didn't do it anywhere anybody would see it. And as we shown on the show, it already got retweeted 8,000 times, 800,000 times, whatever the fuck the number was. And the truth is out there that this was being suppressed by Trump. And that's why they did it. They knew it before they published it. They knew it was out there before they published it. Dan Bongingo, holy Moses, this cannot be real. Please tell me this is poorly thought out attempt at satire. Brian Seltzer, Widespread distrust of the White House is not just a sign of Trump's weakness, it's also a sign of the news media's strength. Yeah. That's what he said. Even though the media trust is the lowest it's ever been. Okay. AP on a French soldier attack. The motive is unclear, but reports are that the soldiers were deliberately targeted, which gives us a slight hint at what the motive might be. But in their article, they never once said that it was a terrorist attack. This is like the 95th time I've shown you the AP won't call it a terrorist attack. But the moment that charger killed those people yesterday, it was, before they even knew who they was, it was a white supremacist. Douchebag alert. Although we're not sure if the douchebags are the idiots with the baseball bats or the Washington Post. Huge article about the Antifa, where they show them with baseball bats. Mm-hmm. Cameron Gray, in which the Washington Post, Perry Steen actually glamorizes anarchists. We have another word for them. It's called thugs. Here's the part of the article. But they're anarch- anarchist community made a fiery entrance into Trump's presidency on January 20th when they organized thousands of people to protest his inauguration by blocking security checkpoints and marching into the streets. Hundreds of them, clad in black clothes and masks, rioted through downtown. They used wooden poles and pieces of concrete to break storefronts and smash newspaper boxes. According to an indictment in D.C. Superior Court, more than 200 people arrested and six police officers were injured. City officials tallying the damage for the rioting at about $100,000. When was this printed? This is like two days prior to them going to Charlotte. It was the 10th of August. A 10th of August. This is like the 95th doggone example of the media glamorizing anarchists.
to our stats of the day. Senate fund President Stephen Law to Kid Rock. So if you're watching, Kid, we hope you run. And the GOP Senate fund is backing Kid Rock for office. Uh, I don't know whether I should think that's cool or if I should just vomit in a bag. I... We are living in incredibly stupid times. According to former Attorney General Eric Holder, there's no way this should happen. College students gets 100 days in slammer for registering dead voters for Dems in Virginia. Yeah. John Eagle, why do dead voters prefer Democrats? Must be the whole cradle-to-grave thing. <laughs> He was from James Madison University. Yeah. He got a hundred days for doing a... A, a, a guy sums it up, Jonathan Grimes. hundred days? I did 120 days for driving without a license. This just teaches these fools that they get away with this crap. Never made the media. And our last stat before we go to a music break in segment one about North Korea... Rasmussen reports Republicans, 87%, support voter ID laws, even more strongly the Democrats, 55%, and unaffiliates, 69%. But even with Democrats and unaffiliated brought in, a plurality of Americans believe it's the right thing to have voter ID laws. Totally destroys the media and the far left's it's racist to make somebody have an idea, ID shtick. And don't worry, for those that have been on the show a long time, I will not rattle off the hundred things you need an ID for, including Snap, freebies, and your Obama phone. But yet the left clings to that. It's racist shit. Sweet Jesus. To our music break, segment one, North Korea and the media coverage of it. Thank you. 
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. In this home that is me, the dead are rolling over. Welcome. Our job tonight actually is to scare people to death on this subject so the talk isn't as free as it is. A crisis over North Korea's nuclear program threatens to turn war games in the volatile peninsula into the real thing. At issue, whether North Korea is building a nuclear bomb. The United States and the international community demand that North Korea open up its nuclear facilities to inspection. North Korea at first cracks the door open, then slams it shut. The nuclear gambit leaves both sides watching each other warily across a border bristling with weapons and tension. It is pointless for them to try to develop nuclear weapons because if they ever use them, it would be the end of their country. All right. Isn't that some nice sound bites? We are in the ju- we are here to scare people. Brian Williams isn't, doesn't have a good poker face. I mean, that's the reality. That's the reality. That's what the media is trying to do because they hate Trump. But as we'll see at the end of this this segment, you know, the reality is this isn't like the first time we've had saber rattling between us and the United States, nor did what the president said now, and artfully, actually come across any different than what other presidents have said also. For To be intellectually honest, hey, it's the 14th of August, year of our Lord, 2017. I didn't get it finished yesterday, so we're going to push it over to the morning that we release it. So we'll uh, change a few things, because I picked up some more intel on the Charlottesville craziness um, and tragedy that happened down there. So we'll adjust a segment. I was going to cover Trump TV and decided to go uh, with a, just another dump on what I've discovered, especially online. So back to the topic at hand. Uh, the Washington Post reported Tuesday afternoon that North Korea had managed to produce a miniaturized nuclear warhead able to fit itself, its missiles, but it wasn't until President Trump warned North Korea of fire and fury that social media led up. Uh, right off the bat, you can expect the regular resistance members uh, to be losing their god darn mind. The good darn mind. Alyssa Milano. Your thoughts on today in the Trump presidency? Ready? Go. Be respectful. Well, I turned 48 today. It's the first time in my life I've actually worried about nuclear war and the POTUS is golfing. For the record, boys and girls, Obama golfed through all sorts of stuff, but nobody cared. And Holly Nason tweeted that. Where in the fuck have you been? If you're 48... You're almost my age. We've been fucking around with North Korea as long as I can remember. You're an idiot. Another one. Last night was the first time in my lifetime that I went to bed worried about nuclear war. I doubt it will be the last. Tammy. Stop the madness. Tonight is the first time in my life I will go to bed worrying about nuclear war. Mueller, please hurry. Someone has to stop this insanity. New York Times colonist Charles M. Blow is among those sharing the worries. Say what you want about Obama, but I never once worried about a damn nuclear war. Lauren Duca, if we survive this shit, can we at least try electing a woman? You're a fucking moron. Peter Dow, think about this. North Korea situation, tell me of all the Clinton hate that got us here was worth it. 
His second tweet, North Korea has been an intractable problem for years, but it's coming to a head with Trump in charge. Elections truly do have consequences. And somebody shot back, who was a Secretary of State when North Korea conducted dozens of missile tests with no consequences? Sarah Silverman, any idea on how to stop this colossal boob from getting us all killed? Josh Whedon, when Trump threatened North Korea, threatening North Koreans with genocide. Delete his account, Twitter. It's the least you can do. Cal Penn. Hey, Twitter. Is threatening nuclear war not a violation of terms of service? Ture. Trump said North Korea would never get nuclear weapons on his watch. It's his watch. And they got him. Another failure by Trump. It took the whole world to remind that fucking moron. They already had nuclear weapons, you idiot. Chrissy Teigen, honestly, should we be getting masks and canned food? How real is this? I'm just cooking and online shopping like I'm not about to die. Where were you? But this is the plan. This is what they want to do. This is exactly what they want with their coverage to scare the living shit out of people and to further erode any chance the Trump administration can get anything done. That's the media's purpose. That's why they're doing this. It's all a fucking show. And although I played Bill Clinton saying things that were exactly the same (laughs) statements, just done in a more artful way, We had, uh, well, up until the Charlottesville tiki marching racist and the idiot that killed somebody from Black Lives Matter, we had wordsmithing again. Here's a montage of the media. And once again, I'm an honest person. Regardless of what he says, it wouldn't have been right, and these people still would have been carted out. But here's them just freaking out. About him saying fire and fury. The problem with what the president said yesterday is it puts all of the attention on the United States and what the United States is thinking when right now the attention should be on North Korea and building pressure against North Korea so that we can produce a diplomatic outcome. It just doesn't help when our allies in the countries in the region can't tell whether it's Donald Trump or Kim Jong-un who's the crazier one. If Hillary Clinton had been elected president, everybody assumed that you would have had one of the principal positions around a security advisor or something like that. Uh, we also asked this question, and I'm sure she asked it, and I'm sure you ask it. Why did she lose? That is a, a very difficult question that to this day keeps me up at night. And I don't think that there is any one reason. I think that there was an incredible combination of factors, any one of which had it changed on the day of, she would have won. And frankly, if the election had been held one week earlier or one week later, she might have won. There was a combination of outside factors like Comey and Russia. And then there was the fact that, honestly, this country wanted dramatic change and there was a populist... Why didn't she see that? And why didn't you see that? I mean, that's the role of people who are principal advisors to a president. Yeah. And there are stories that she was unhappy about that. And so... Let me just ask you about the character of a president who would threaten fire and fury without having enough respect for his military leadership, for his national security advisor, for his chief of staff, um, and for his secretary of state to give them a heads up. 
So the first thing is I hope we can end this whole story that keeps developing that somehow Donald Trump is going to change and be something different than he is, and he has some master strategy that he's going to take over the world and make the United States. Let's just end that. General Kelly has made no difference. Every speech that Donald Trump has made no difference. The statements that he's made yesterday have made a lot of difference badly in this, but they weren't planned. They weren't a strategy in this. To me, if you read a paragraph in the beginning of a newspaper that said this, a bellicose, threatening Immature, emotionally immature, insecure leader did X. A year ago, would you have thought the President of the United States was that person, or would you have thought the head of North Korea was that person? That's the problem today. When we talk about stable actors and people that we can count on in all of this, it's hard for me to believe that the people in Europe aren't looking at this situation today, and who are they more worried about? That's actually an honest question in this, in this time that we have. The other thing that he doesn't, I think Donald Trump does, he has no concept of history. Today, today's the anniversary of dropping the bomb on Nagasaki. Right? That's the anniversary of mm -hmm. today. When he announced that transgender people were no longer going to be in the, in, in the military, it was on the anniversary of, de of Harry Truman yeah. desegregating the military. Right. He has no concept of what he says and how it relates to history. And Michael, still just quickly, um, I bang on my, my head on this table, but I did that a lot during the campaign. It actually hurts, if anyone's wondering. Um, where the bleep are the Republicans? Donald Trump saw their threat of apocalypse and raised them one Armageddon. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. And Trump's message of don't threaten us or we will rain down fire and fury was so intimidating that North Korea immediately threatened a missile strike on the U.S. territory of Guam. Look, North Korea, leave Guam out of this. They're a U.S. territory. That means they don't participate in the elections, okay? They didn't vote for Trump, just like most of Americans. Vantage point in uh, Tokyo, what do you think? Anthony, I think the president's statements of the last two days are reckless. And I think they're reckless for two reasons. One is that Kim Jong-un has been shown to be uh, provocable. And so this playground game of dare, double dare, is dangerous. Uh, the second reason that is, is that statements such as this box the president in from a policy perspective. As that war of words plays out between President Trump and Kim Jong-un, suddenly caught in the middle are 160,000 Americans living and working on the U.S. territory of Guam, a U.S. military stronghold, and an island within striking distance of North Korea. Our team has made its way to Guam tonight, where residents are on edge. You're something of an, uh, an expert on this. What does denial of capability look like to you? And I, I compare it, you brought up Iran earlier. In Iran, we had absolute solid intelligence as to where the nuclear capability is. They, they had no missiles, by the way, so the comparison's not very good. But we don't seem to have I'm sorry, the same... what did you say? You say Iran has no missiles? Iran has no nuclear-capable missiles. They don't, that, that's a fact. Well, uh, but, but that's, you know, let's, let's, let's suggest to you if North Korea has those, if North Korea has those, they can get them. Congressman, let's talk ahead. about Go the ahead. president, please. This is an important right, topic. You, okay, let's yeah. talk about, I'm asking you a question. Let's talk about the president. How do we establish denial of capability with North Korea? We do not have nearly the information that we had on Iran. Well, the fact is we have a great deal of information on North Korea, and we had a great deal of information for decades, and we had an opportunity to deny them the capability, and there are only two components to any threat, and that's the capability and the intent. And uh, Mr. Uh, President uh, 
uh, Obama and, and, and President Clinton. Uh, I really want to move forward. I really want to have a discussion about how we stop a war with North Korea. I really don't want to talk about Bill Clinton or Barack Obama or George W. Bush or Jimmy Carter well, or, I can understand or, or Nixon that you because this all started. I can understand that you wouldn't, but the bottom but, line is if we continue to make mistakes of the game, past. Sir, this is about war. Can we get answers? You're, you're a guy who actually knows about this. Do we really know where the missiles are in North Korea? Because intelligence sources tell me that we do not have the degree of information that we did in a place like Iran, where our spy capabilities are really good, our aerial capabilities were really good. I'm asking it you a military true. question. It is I'm true not that North Korea, about it, North Korea. Well, if you give me a chance to answer, maybe that would help us both. It is true that North Korea has the ability to disperse their capability, as such as it is, in ways that uh, are harder for us to deal with because there's not as much information in North Korea. That's, that part is true. Yeah, that's so what I'm trying answer. to get to. And so what? So the fact is, when we talk about denial of capability, which goes back to the question I asked about two and a half minutes ago, when, when uh, Lindsey Graham says that, that denial of that, capability that tra- should be... That tra- uh, is, is that a, ship has sailed. That okay. ship has sailed. What, what, what we have to do now is to try to deter their intent. And that's what I'm trying to suggest to you, that the, the ship of capability has sailed under Mr. Obama and Mr. Clinton. And now what we have to do is that we have, to, we have a president now that has far limited options, and there, some of those options are much more grave than the options that we had before. So consequently, he has to make it clear to North Korea that should they intend or should they proceed to attack the United States, that it means devastation to them. That's dealing with intent. And I hope the president succeeds because the implications, as you say, are profoundly ominous. There they are. It's all wordsmithing and it's all partisanship. Because, once again, it's no different than what anybody else has ever said. You just don't like, dude. And the hypocrisy doesn't end there. Newsweek ran another tweet this week. Hillary Clinton slams Donald Trump for being too friendly. And during the election... This is what she said. He supports nuclear proliferation, alienates our allies, cozies up to dictators. Owen Thompson, during this time, is North Korea backing Trump? Philip J. Crowley, interested that Hillary Clinton placed North Korea near the top of her speech. Papa Yang has sort of endorsed Trump. Robbie Gramer, For those keeping tally, Trump's endorsement, Putin, North Korea, state media, Sanders, endorsers, Maduro, Susan Sarandon. Jerry Gennetti, North Korea endorses Trump. See, the whole world won't hate us if we become president. There's There's some clarification. So how a year ago, roughly, was he too cozy to dictators, and North Korea and him are friends, along with him and Putin were friends, but now he's... Being too hard. He's being too harsh. He's going to start a nuclear war. So this week there was multiple articles. One from uh, Salon. The Reagan era invasion that drove North Korea to develop nuclear weapons. They blame Reagan. The Grenada invasion. SF Gate. With fire and fury, Trump revives fears about his possession of nuclear codes. The AP, if, no, 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 we're not doing that. Sorry, got a dog in here. We're not doing it. I'd edit it out, but I'm not going to. I'll leave it there. That's a male husky. 
And he's got an obsession with squeaky balls. I don't understand. Maybe because he thinks he's killing a rat. Who knows? But the Associate Press of North Korea sent missiles towards Guam or the U.S. Could the U.S. missile defense system shoot him down? And I, and I put it in there because these are the same people who are against missile defense. These were the people that were dogging Reagan for Star Wars. Obama gutted the program while Bush was actually improving the program. And that's, that's pretty much more hypocrisy. But not every reporter was there. Julie Enoff from the Atlantic. Am I the only one who doesn't think we're heading for nuclear war, at least right now? Boston Gold Globe, Michael Cohen. Over here, I'm with you. Matt Lee, you both and the rest of us who don't hyperventilate over hyperventilating ratings-driven cable news. I mean, Matt Lee sums it up. If I was a former admin, any admin, official or military officer, resist urging to offer instant analysis of a crisis on cable TV. And then he started tweeting good stuff. Tillerson, I do not believe there's an imminent threat from nuclear North Korea. Americans just sleep well tonight. Tillerson says exchange of threats on North Korea doesn't mean U.S. is moving closer to military option. And what the media won't report is how did we get here? These are from leftist magazines. The Atlantic and the Daily Beast. Obama, Clinton, and fertilizing a North, a nuclear North Korea. How leftist fantasies and appeasement put America in nuclear jeopardy. These are lefties. This isn't from Breitbart. Daily Caller or the alt-right page in Oregon. After Barack Obama's eight long years of gutting American missile defense capabilities, our nation has awakened to the nightmare of North Korea armed with nuclear missiles capable of reaching U.S. territories. But not all the blame for the status quo can be assigned to Democrats. North Korea has long massed troops near the border of South Korea, effectively holding the population of nearby Seoul and other densely populated areas hostage. The DPRK is thought to have the ability to quickly assault and subdue large chunk of South Korea with devastating consequences for the populace. The Korean War itself began June 25th, 1950. A little history lessons out there for you lefties who don't even know where Korea is. But never technically ended. Hostilities were suspended with representatives from both countries signed an armistice agreement. In July 27th, 1953, the final peaceful settlement envisioned in the pact never happened. The U.S. was a major party to the armed conflict and it still has troops stationed there. I think basically since the end of the Korean War, we've had a succession of administrations, Republican and Democrat, who have faced a very unpleasant, unhappy reality. Frank Gaffney from the Center for Security Policy. And that is the massive, if uneven, shall we say, North Korean military so closely positioned the DMZ to Seoul, the capital of South Korea, that at will, from a standing start, they could essentially devastate the 24 or so million people who live in and around that capital city in an instant. It was President Bill Clinton who cleared the way for DPRK to go nuclear. 
Nearly two years ago, North Korea sent geopolitical shockwaves around the world by claiming to have conducted a successful hydrogen bomb. Without the machinations years ago, then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, and more importantly those of her husband, the pariah nation may not have been able to join the nuclear club. Bill Clinton's deal, North Korea agreed to freeze his existing nuclear program and to accept international expenses inspections of all existing facilities, Clinton said at the time. The pact is good for the United States, good for our allies, and good for the safety of the entire world. Years after Clinton's presidency, North Korea today possesses what is called its H-bomb of justice that can reportedly be loaded onto missile and delivered to targets outside its borders. Critics note that the deal with the DPRK is remarkably similar to President Obama's loophole-ridden nuclear proliferation pact. I said proliferation, not non-proliferation, with Iran. The Daily Beast. Experts blame Obama for North Korea's nukes. Usually a smart political observers ignore opposing presidential candidates clamoring to be blamed the sitting presidents for an international crisis. This time, however, it's not mere partisanship. Tim Mack. In his article, normally such a rabid push rush to pin a crisis on Obama could be shrugged off as partisanship, but in this case, nuclear non-proliferation experts agree. Obama, they claim, is responsible for the failure of America to prevent North Korea from expanding its nuclear program. America's strategy on North Korea in the first years of Obama administration was led by the White House and National Security Council. The Obama administration concept of strategic patience emerged early on in the administration after the scathing experience of North Korea's 2009 nuclear test. The strategy essentially demanded North Koreans recommit to concrete steps towards denuclearization, such as allowing inspectors and freezing fissile material production as a precondition of any future talks. It meant that the administration didn't want to be driven by a DPRK-orchestrated sense of crisis and respond in its own time to North Korea's initiatives. The Obama administration came into office with a healthy skepticism of North Korea's ability to follow through on its commitments. But then they did nothing. They did nothing. We did nothing all over the world. In this article, as Secretary of State, Clinton oversaw a hands-off approach to North Korea under a policy called strategic patience. We just let them do whatever the fuck we want them to do. There was even articles during this time, North Korea, Clinton, a funny lady, by no means intelligent. And then good news agencies, ones that spend most of their time being liberals, but at times like this report truth, NPR. Despite rhetoric, our North Korea U.S. military posture hasn't changed. Aaron Meha, update, USAF says no B-1 flights over Korea since August 7th, which is telling about U.S. posture. During this time, marine aircraft have been grounded due to crashes. AP reported on August 11th, senior U.S. diplomats have engaged in back-channel diplomacy with North Korea for several months, contacts ongoing. People who know North Korea, 
They need this drama for people to even remember that they exist. Young South Koreans are unbothered by North Korean threats. Somebody actually interviewed a bunch of South Korean kids, and what was the general consensus? They sound like they're on love and hip-hop. Katie Pavlich, the winning, the whining, sorry, about Trump using fire and fury language in response to little Kim Jong threatening to nuke the U.S. really is astounding. Kim could literally hit the U.S. with a nuke and the left would say we had that coming. Other ones, media did the same thing with Reagan, evil empire, and Bush's acts of evil comments. No surprise to me. A feminist actress calls for blowing up the White House. People on the left cheer. But POTUS warns KJU and the left freak out about violence. They're so partisan that Ted Lieu is supporting Bill HR 669 to restrict POTUS from launching nuclear first strike. Dan Bongino. Yes, Ted, in a nuclear standoff, let's be sure we can see the mushroom clouds on American soil before we respond. What an idiot. And the media wasn't covering Guam's governor told the president, Mr. President, as a governor of Guam, representing the people of Guam, and as an American citizen, I never felt so safe or more confident with you at the helm. So with all the criticism going on over there from a guy that's being targeted, I'm thankful. I'm glad you're holding the helm. President told Governor Calvo, you should have had me eight years ago. This is nothing more than extreme partisanship on behalf of the media, their ever-dying hate of anybody who doesn't have a D. This is no, this isn't, you know, the, the reality is every Republican is racist. Every Republican is a Nazi. Every Republican is a cowboy threatening the world. Only Democrats can handle all this stuff because they're the smartest people in the world. Yet every time we have a Democratic president, somebody gets a fucking nuke. Somebody takes over another country. I mean, under Barack Hussein Obama, you had Syria, Libya, fucking Russia took a goddamn country. We did nothing. Nothing. We just watched it. And now North Korea has the capabilities to miniaturize their weapons. All under his watch. While you morons out there in the resistance are worrying about nuclear codes, we have somebody that can nuke fucking Hawaii now under your president. And then you wordsmith it. Oh, he said rough language. You're all a bunch of fucking hypocrites. You only care about this shit when you're not in power. And the golfing references, go fucking suck off a donkey. You guys had the president who golfed the most of any president. He was the guy that criticized Bush for golfing during a war. Bush, stop golfing. 
And now he golfed through everything. Didn't matter. I bet you my left nut the night we took down OBL, he was golfing and he came in late. Photo shows him in casual attire. Then he pimped up a suit to go out there and take credit like he shot him in the face himself. You guys are pathetic. You're just fucking pathetic. And this whole thing just shows once again how bad our media is. God damn. You really believe your job is to scare Americans? Why? So you can impeach the president you don't want? So we can get another guy? You know, if Hillary Clinton was in there, what would she do? Nothing. She watched this. She allowed this. She allowed the world to be the way she it is right now when she was Secretary of State. And it's a hot fucking steaming garbage fire. Yet she was the most qualified ever. Really? Really? All right, enough of this. As we go out, we're going to listen to Clinton once again. Bill talking about how his deal was going to stop all this shit. Remember? He fixed it. The media said he fixed it. As he walked out of office, he fixed the world. Just like Obama. And then we'll lead in to segment two, some more on Charlottesville. You'll hear some sound bites of Antifa people beating the living fuck out of white nationalists, which I have no problem with because they're sorry sacks of shit. Just once again, reporting it because your media keeps calling them counter-protesters. Peaceful counter-protesters. Before I take your questions, I'd like to say just a word about the framework with North Korea that Ambassador Galushi signed this morning. This is a good deal for the United States. North Korea will freeze and then dismantle its nuclear program. South Korea and our other allies will be better protected. The entire world will be safer as we slow the spread of nuclear weapons. South Korea, with support from Japan and other nations, will bear most of the cost of providing North Korea with fuel to make up for the nuclear energy it is losing. And they will pay for an alternative power system for North Korea that will allow them to produce electricity while making it much harder for them to produce nuclear weapons. The United States and international inspectors will carefully monitor North Korea to make sure it keeps its commitments. Only as it does so will North Korea fully join the community of nations. So basically what you heard in the first one was a guy getting beat to fuck with a pole, a metal pole. The second one was to get to where they were allowed to go and protest. 
these Nazi pieces of shit were maced. They had to fight through Antifa to get to where they were supposed to be. So, once again, not picking sides. All of them are fucking pieces of shit. Everybody down there was a piece of fucking shit. Even the clergy I saw, who are not clergy, they're outright activists for Black Lives Matter. and They're white ones. That's all I've seen, so this is not a racial statement. Um, they're white ones, and they're just fucking activists. They, they do not actually do God's work. They're doing work of a racist organization that believes cops should be killed. I've got to report it. The media's not going to. They're showing you one side. Here's one of the flyers. The evil white must be destroyed. The white racist and their heeb masters must be purged from the face of the earth. The children of the white racist are the future of the white race. This is where we must begin and end. With Trump in power, it is far too late for conversation of racist children. Thus, we are left with only one option. To do what must be done. But take heart. After the purge, we will live in a worker's paradise free from racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, and oppression. National Antifa Front. Those are the anti-racist protesters or counter-protesters or peaceful protesters that your media reported. So they want to purge people. And as we showed on, you know, previous shows, anybody who's not with them needs to be purged. It's not just about racist. It's about if you're not anti-fascist. Which, remember our show a long time ago, um, the anti-fascist website, they were there in force. Stop fascism now. Signs were all over the place. So that organization we covered right after the election was part of this too. Raf Sanchez. Here's a photo of millennial Matt with Trump and carrying a burning torch in Charlottesville that isn't complicated. It appears millennial Matt's profile picture is photoshopped. Here's the original Trump picture. This went out 25,000 times last time I checked it. The retraction only 267 times. So this Raf Sanchez, which is part of the Antifa, it's right to correct. It's also right that a great many of Nazis in Charlotte were Trump supporters, asked David Duke. And he tried to make up for what he did. But that was viral, showing anti, you know, basically Nazis with Trump. The Antifa, Black Lives Matter elements, were photoshopping stuff and putting it out there. This one, in particular, I saw an MSNBC. Then I researched it. The same person who put it out retracted it. It was photoshopped. Kurt Eichenwald. James Alex feels what happens when stupid people are fed 20 years of Fox propaganda, teaching them that half of America is evil. Sean King. The face of American terrorism. James Alex Field Jr., a murderer radicalized by an American president. He worshipped. Dean Obdella. Trump vowed to kill the families of terrorists. Will he now kill James Field's family for his terrorist act? Deplorable Melissa. Probably won't tell you that James Alex Fields Jr. voted for Bernie because it won't align with the narrative. 
this is not us, and it's all over the internet that the guy was actually a Bernie bro. Nationalism is not socialism on its worst form, not. James Alex Fields voted for Bernie Sanders just like Steve Scalise's shooter. NRA and American conservatives, Nazis are one and the same. Mark Mulatus in charge of the Daily Coast. Zach Pecanus, a huge Hillary flog. I called out Dana Loesch and this dangerous NRA ad on Fox Friday. She, the NRA, and Trump own the Nazi violence in Charlottesville. Dana Loesch, we don't. You had time to get mad at a video on the media, but nothing on people who burn campuses, call for jihad, actual violence, and incitement. Ivanka Trump took to Twitter. There should be no place in society for racism, white supremacy, and neo-Nazi. We must all come together as Americans and be one country united. And then the left came out. It's who helped your dad get elected. That's your base. Like it or not, that's what supports you and your dad. Dear Ivanka, please tell your dad and his close advisors, the world and the American people need to hear this from the POTUS, not you. Roland Shahill, we are all united in wanting real Donald Trump out of office. Jessica Valentine, the anti-gun skank. Don't be fooled by the mostly whale white supremacists in Charlottesville. The 53% of white women who voted for Trump are there in spirit too. Lady Gaga tried. I know we are not created to hate each other, but to help and love, use hashtag, hashtag be kind, hashtag this is not us, to tweet positive things about hashtag Charlotte. The left lost it. Using this is not us means you're removing yourself from the problem instead of doing anything to fight it. Simply saying, A, it's not them, not me. Becca, Lady Gaga, and white people using the hashtag, this is not us, is the perfect example of them acting like America wasn't built on white supremacy. Amani Gandhi, yes it is, always has been. Stop tweeting feel-good hashtags and go fix this shit. It's not on us, it's on you. Kendra Flamecon, this is not us, is bullshit. This is us, this is our country. We need to own it, face it, and fix it. Michael Ian Black. An actor. Metaphorically speaking, yesterday the president stood in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shot somebody. Her name was Heather Hare. Somebody flipped it on him. Metaphorically speaking, the president stood in the middle of Dallas and shot five police officers. That shooter was upset about Black Lives Matter. Obama invited Black Lives Matter into the White House. Danger hyperbolic. You people need to stop fueling extremist ideas. But that's all they were doing. That's all they were doing. Media, Chuck Tarn, Hunter C. on the state for POTUS will do anything to stamp this down. He may have just done the opposite. There has been a distinct tone difference between what POTUS said and didn't say versus many Senate GOPers who did call out the hate. David Korn, don't forget, Trump's chief strategist became prominent and made money championing white nationalists, which has never been proven, but okay. Ellen DeGeneres, is this America now? We cannot let this stand. Citizen Dale, Joy Reid, outright lied, denying Antifa are violent. If the left keeps lying and denying, we will never, ever fix this. Which made me go over, this is kind of lengthy. Here's Meet the Press. 
yesterday. I want you to count how many times Ch- Chuck Todd, or how much time he spends on just wordsmithing. It wasn't what he wanted to hear. And listen to the bullshit Joy Reid, a race baiter, and the rest of the panel. The only one on there is a white dude. And he finally stops the madness because they were allowed for most of this show to never ever say anything bad about BLM and Antifa, which I've already proven. And now consecutive segments are just as bad as the white nationalists, just as bad as the Nazis for violence, hate, throwing piss, macing people, and beating people with poles. But finally, 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 and I forgot his freaking name. What the hell is his freaking name? Rich Lowry. Rich Lowry is the only person on here who does exactly like I do. The racism is horrible. They're pieces of shit. But while you're going down this road, understand BLM and Antifa are just as goddamn evil down there. They're fucking evil. White nationalists clash with counter-protesters in Charlottesville. One person is killed when a car plows into a crowd. We'll have a report from the scene this morning, and I'll talk to the mayor of Charlottesville, Michael Signer. Plus the president's reaction. President Trump denounces the disturbance, but not the neo-Nazis nor the Klan participants. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. Did the president fail his first test as healer-in-chief? Joining me for insight and analysis are Joy Reid, host of AM Joy on MSNBC. Rich Lowry, editor of the National Review. Amy Walter, national editor of the Cook Political Report. And Helene Cooper, Pentagon correspondent for the New York Times. Welcome to Sunday. It's Meet the Press. Sunday morning, in the opening months of his presidency, many of us have wondered how President Trump would respond to the type of crisis when the nation looks to its president. Could he lead? Could he inspire? Could he heal? He didn't have one test this week. He's had two. We'll get to the North Korea situation later, but yesterday we've received another reminder of just how volatile race and extremism can be in America today. Violent clashes broke out in Charlottesville, Virginia, between white nationalists protesting the removal of a Robert E. Lee statue and some counter-protesters. Shortly after the Virginia governor, Terry McAuliffe, declared a state of emergency and the clashes broke up, a car plowed into a crowd of counter-protesters, killing one person and injuring 19 others. The FBI has now opened a civil rights investigation into the incident, adding to an already tragic day a chopper carrying two Virginia state police officers who were hovering over the in the air, monitoring the violence, crashed a few miles outside of the city. Both officers were killed. Here's how Charlottesville city manager reacted to the violence. Over just the past several weeks, Mr. Trump has condemned his party's leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, members of Congress, and his own attorney general. The president's response to white supremacists in Charlottesville was tepid by comparison. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and on many sides. 
Uh, an unnamed White House official told NBC News the president was condemning hatred, bigotry and violence from all sources and all sides. There was violence between protesters and counter-protesters today. Mr. President, do you want the support of these white nationalist groups who say they support you, Mr. President? Mr. President have, you, have you denounced them strongly enough? As some of the white nationalists cited Trump's victory as validation for their beliefs. We are determined to take our country back. We're going to fulfill the promises of Donald Trump. That's what we believed in. That's why we voted for Donald Trump. Mr. Trump chose not to condemn them. Many elected Republicans seem to agree the president did not go far enough. Colorado Senator Cory Gardner, who is in charge of getting Senate Republicans elected in 2018, tweeted, Mr. President, we must call evil by its name. These were white supremacists, and this was domestic terrorism. Florida's Marco Rubio, quote, Very important for the nation to hear POTUS describe events in Charlottesville for what they are, a terror attack by white supremacists. Utah Senator Orrin Hatch tweeted, My brother didn't give his life fighting Hitler for Nazi ideas to go unchallenged here at home. And Texas Senator Ted Cruz, quote, the Nazis, the KKK, and white supremacists are repulsive and evil, and all of us have a moral obligation to speak out. He is. Donald Trump failed sort of the fundamental test of leadership, and this was an easy uh, test for any president of the United States to clear. I mean, this is the country that heroically um, swooped in uh, during World War II. The idea that a president of the United States cannot unambiguously denounce Nazism is extraordinary. Um, and Donald Trump has placed himself in a history. There is, there is no way that I think the American people could have contemplated that their president could not unequivocally condemn David Duke and Nazis, and he couldn't, and he didn't. Yeah, I, you know, the president has been very clear you can't defeat terrorism if you can't call it Islamic terrorism. Well, you can't unify the country without calling out hatred and bigotry. And there is no unity, there is no way that you can say there are both sides to this, or equal sides to this bigotry. There was one group that was bigoted and hateful and racist and then there is the anti group and what's curious is to see where we go from here is the president going to choose after he's getting as you pointed out denounced by all sides will he choose tomorrow to come out and make a stronger statement uh, he hasn't tweeted this morning Helene and no. I, frankly I think you know there hasn't been the clarification there hasn't been any of that I want to throw in Michael Gerson okay. George W. Bush speechwriter now Washington Post columnist he wrote this, if great words can heal and inspire, base words can corrupt. Trump has been delivering the poison of prejudice in small but increasing doses. In Charlottesville, the effect became fully evident, and the president had no intention of decisively repudiating his work. Gerson going farther, saying this was a not, not just a... A choice, but a strategy almost. Uh, that's. Uh, I, th I think that's a really interesting point to make. I think President Trump has had probably his worst week uh, this past week, and that's because in the two instances that you alluded to earlier in the program, he has sort of fulfilled every fear that his critics and a lot of people had about him when he became president. And that is one, because of his campaign and because of the 
side of America that he brought out in his campaign, uh, uh, that he would not be able to detach himself from these white supremacists who got him elected and who he has put in his government and in the White House. That's one. That's always, that's been a big fear. And the other two is that he would be, the other uh, great fear uh, that people had before he became president was that he would be too loose and and uh, uh, this is not somebody that you necessarily might want in charge of a button that can launch a nuclear uh, nuclear weapon. This is not somebody you want receiving the 3 a.m. phone call. And with his the way he has handled North Korea this past week, and then shockingly, shockingly, what he did yesterday and what he failed to do yesterday just feeds feeds that people think that this is what they expect. So I, I do think he should have, obviously, he should have specifically denounced the white nationalists. But there are two sides to this now. This country now has a violent fringe on the right and on the left, both of whom the white nationalists and the so-called anti-fascists who like violence, who thrill to violence, like the attention that comes with it. And this is going to get uh, worse before it gets better. But can, I, can I say, and I think Helene made a very important point, because I think that sort of both sides-ism doesn't serve anyone well. This is an unambiguous evil that is plaguing the country. But Helene made, I think, the crucial point. One of the reasons that Donald Trump cannot properly respond to what was an obvious uh, you know, proper response from an American president is the people in his government. Who's writing the talking points that he was looking down and reading from? He has people like Stephen Miller, claimed as a mentee by Richard Spencer, who was an avowed open white nationalist. He has Steve Bannon, who's been sort of allowed to sort of meld into sort of the normalcy of a governmental employee, but who ran Breitbart.com, which I reread today, the post that's still on their website, where they self-describe as the home of the alt-right. What is the alt-right? It's a dressed-up term for white nationalism. They call themselves white identitarianism. They say that the tribalism that's sort of inherent in the human spirit ought to be also applied to white people. That is who is in his government, Sebastian Gorka, who wore the medal of Vitezi Rand, a Nazi organization, being paid by the taxpayer in the government of Donald Trump, the former Publius Decius blogger Michael Anton, in the government. He is surrounded by these people. It isn't both sides. He's in the White House. They're in the White House with him. Look, you have so-called anti-fascists who dress in black, wear masks. Were they beating there, uh, there was, clergy there was violent on both, were they There was violence on both sides. There was certainly the not. Should, it, yes, were they there attacking was. clergy? I, you, I you spoke see with the clergy who were being there, beaten there, with brass knuckles look, by neo-Nazis. Anti-fascists also beat people up, break things, and burn things. They both should be condemned. And look, I'm someone, I want the alt-right to be as limited as possible. I want it to go away and die. But you're not doing folks on my side any favors by defining it so widely that it includes Stephen Miller and Mike Anton. That's what they want. You're, you're helping Have them you read by defining they, them so widely. Read? Have you read the blog post that they've, that they've posted? I, Have I don't you read think Mike Anton is a white nationalist. That's crazy. Right. I'm a pause it here. <laughs> now, I'm covering this because I really get, again want want to once again state: Did you see this for the D.C. shooting? Did you see this when cops were attacked in Dallas? Did you see this during the inauguration? During all the many protests? and damage and violence. Did you see this during Ferguson? When Ferguson was tearing shit down and they were beating white people and pulling them out of their car. Did you see any of that? You did if you listened to this show. What's good? I'm not supporting Nazis. 
But to say that the left is this perfect entity that does no violence. We just had a motherfucker shoot representatives at a baseball field. And I never once heard this condemnation of the left. I did not hear Democrats being pulled up to a mic and asked, how do we fix the violence? When they were asked on MSDNC, they then were allowed to sit there. It was just a softball. They would flip it on Republicans. It's the white nationalists. It's the racist. It's Trump itself. That shooting was blamed on Trump. They tried to blame Dallas on Trump. The media somehow always flips it that it's the president's fault. The previous administration, Dan Pfeiffer, I condemn white supremacy but vote for Trump's agenda, is the new I send thoughts and prayers to victims but vote against gun safety. Barack Obama, no one is born hating another person because of their color, skin, or background, or his religion. No, but you did a good job in eight years making the entire country super bad. Because all you did is spin it up. There were people online literally saying, and I might have the tweet in here, you never heard Obama say both sides. It's a cult over there. So they don't remember that every time there was a terrorist attack, Obama went back to the goddamn dark ages and talked about the fucking crusades. He never missed an opportunity to bash Christians. He did it every goddamn time. Jennifer Rubin, I repeat, those who said HRC would be worse should hang their heads in shame. She's a Fucking reporter for Washington Post. A reporter! But there's no bias. During McAuliffe's briefing, where he didn't say anything about what Antifa was doing or BLM, the people being attacked because he wanted them to be attacked, We ride, we rage to supremacy. A guy from BLM is there wearing that shirt. We rage to supremacy. Robbie Mook, members of Congress can't just condemn this with words. They need to force the Justice Department to investigate and prosecute terrorism. Never asked that for the baseball diamond. Never asked it. For the Dallas shooting. Jack Schaefer. Without logos or signs, I can't really tell the Nazis from the anti-Nazis and the TV shots. Because <laughs> you can't. Cornell Brooks. The neo-KKK protesting in Charlottesville received their basic training marching orders and inspiration from Trump campaign rallies. CNN allowed the tweet. It was at CNN. They never deleted it. And Maxine Waters, Trump has made it clear with Bannon and Gork in the White House, the Klan in the streets is now the white supremacist house. Yeah. Here is more media reaction. The chairwoman of the RNC, Ronna McDaniel, did just tweet, the hate and bigotry on display in Charlottesville is dangerous and cowardly, so we have at least one person at the national level now who's spoken out. I agree with Joan that, that we need a lot more leadership right now, vocal leadership, 
from Republicans, from Republican leaders, elected leaders in Congress uh, and in Washington. You know, this is the Republican Party right now that's on display, uh, Donald Trump's Republican Party. And if they don't want to be tied to it, if they don't want to be associated to it, people like Mitch McConnell, uh, you know, Speaker Paul Ryan, John Thune, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, anybody who, who proclaims to be a leader who doesn't want to be associated with this type of hatred and racism, bigotry and ignorance, they need to speak out right now loud and clear. And Kurt Bardella, you know, Breitbart, there's been inklings that they want to expand. They want to expand into Europe. They want to expand as a business. At some point, are they going to, uh, in your view, start to distance themselves from this, what they call the alt-right, this white nationalist movement? Well, they haven't yet, and there's not a single bit of content right now on their home pages about what's going on right now, the largest, the biggest story right now in, in America today, and there are crickets on it. So that tells me that this is exactly the kind of stuff that they want to have happen and that they hope to spread elsewhere. And frankly, you know, the Republican Party needs to change its philosophy on a lot of things to prevent this type of stuff from happening. A yep. lot of their policies like that are racist. When they talk about incarceration over treatment when drug treatment, that, that, that targets minorities, pure and simple. Specifically condemn what happened and the people who carried out the act allegedly in Charlottesville on many sides. And he had many times, many tweets where he could have corrected that, where he could have gone further and right. didn't. No, I mean, it's a look, you can't say it's anything other than deliberate. He has a reputation for not being afraid to call individuals out, um, uh, whether they're members of the media, uh, politicians that make him upset, uh, fellow world leaders. So we know he's capable of singling folks out. You're talking about Nazis, you're talking about the KKK, you're talking about white supremacists. If you can't come out and easily and readily and quickly condemn that, what can you do? No, and the ambiguity there. You know, Mark Sanford, uh, the congressman from South Carolina, he, I want to give him credit for this quote. He, he has said, uh, candidate Donald Trump's campaign un unleashed a demon that's been yeah. out here on race. Um, uh, nobody is saying it should be directly tied to him, but the demon's been unleashed. He, I think, more than anybody else, has a responsibility there to help all, all of us do, but he has a responsibility to lead in trying to get rid of that demon. Specifically condemn what happened and the people who carried out the act allegedly in Charlottesville on many sides, and he had many times, many tweets where he could have corrected that, where he could have gone further and right. didn't. No, I mean, it's a, look, you can't say it's anything other than deliberate. He has a reputation for not being afraid to call individuals out, um, uh, whether they're members of the media, uh, politicians that make him upset, uh, fellow world leaders. So we know he's capable of singling folks out. talking about Nazis, you're talking about the KKK, you're talking about white supremacists. If you can't come out and easily and readily and quickly condemn that, what can you do? No, and the ambiguity there. You know, Mark Sanford, uh, the congressman from South Carolina, he, I want to give him credit for this quote. He, he has said, uh, candidate Donald Trump's campaign un unleashed a demon that's been yeah. out here on race. Um, uh, nobody is saying it should be directly tied to him, but the demon's been unleashed. He, I think, more than anybody else, has a responsibility there to help all, all of us do, but he has a responsibility to lead in trying to get rid of that demon. He's looking at the people that got him there, 
and that's all he cares about. I mean, you you mentioned it earlier, Joy. You know, he had Marco Rubio, Orrin Hatch, uh, Paul Ryan, all saying the right thing. But he's the president of the United States, and he needs to condemn these groups. He once said, "I, you know, I, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, and I wouldn't lose any support." Well, you know, this is like a, a person died today, and so he didn't shoot him. But you could consider him an accessory in a sense because he's been stoking this stuff for years. So unless he comes out in a full-throated condemnation of what we saw today, then and risk losing these people, then uh, he, he's not the president of of what we know as the United States of America. The president had a profound opportunity, Jake, and I think he still does. He needs to stand up and say, this was not by happenstance. What those uh, KKK-inspired riots did, it was very strategic to start at night, to have candle-lit torches in their hands, to march in formation in that way. It's very reminiscent of why the KKK came to life in the first place after the Civil War to rain terror down on African-Americans. And so the president has to be very strong and cannot equivocate that racism and bigotry will not be tolerated. And I think I saw something that Bill said or wrote in a tweet, which is, I don't want your votes. But this is the, the, the overtness of what they did, because we know that covertly racism and discrimination and bigotry still exist in this country. But the fact that these people feel so um, emboldened and folks want to talk about both sides, I'm with Van on this, both sides. No, there was only one side. And we got to continue to have the people who believe in the promise of this country to continue to push or drag us forward because we are a country of progress. And what we saw happen yesterday and the day before is very indicative. It's in the DNA of this country. So it always boggles my mind when people get up and say, this is not what our country is about. This is not what we were founded on. Oh, no, we were founded on discrimination, racism, bigotry and hatred. But the one thing that we can say is that we have been a nation of progress and we are losing that progress right now in the 21st century. Yes, sir. I mean, I think America owes Colin Kaepernick an apology this morning, and the NFL owes him a job. You made the point, Joy. I guess if he would have beaten up his wife or his girlfriend, he'd probably still be playing, given the double standard in the NFL, which is just outrageous. And I think this stunning hypocrisy where Colin Kaepernick, you pointed it out, exercising peaceful protest, his First Amendment rights as an American, many of the people that were outraged by that, conspicuously quiet this morning after that disgusting, disturbing incident of white nationalist domestic terrorism. Let's call it out for what it is. I think Mr. Roden also made the point. The NFL is a private business. The owners are going to do what they do, and unfortunately, in that private business, the players serve at the whims of the owners. But you know what's not a private business, Joy? The federal government. And if Colin Kaepernick can be out of a job for exercising a peaceful First Amendment right, why are the three Nazis in the White House, Bannon, Gorka, and Miller, whose jobs are funded by we the taxpayers, why are they still working today? I think those of us who believe in... in, in, uh, our rights as human beings, or we don't support police violence, we've really got to stand up. We've got to stand up. And, and by the way, I think a lot of players in the NFL and, and Major League Baseball, a lot of them uh, have kind of support from these people, the Nazis, the white supremacists. I think it's really up to all those people in all these sports who have these very public positions to let it yeah. be known that, you know what, we're not about this. You know, yeah. we're, we're not about this. We're, we're, we're not about this type of, of, of hatred. 
Yeah, we are unfortunately out of time. You know, we talk about the alt-right, but let's just talk about what the alt-right is. Alt-right is nothing but white supremacy and black tie. Let's talk about what it is, and that the President of the United States has a white supremacist who sits mere feet from him in the Oval Office. We are talking about Charlottesville today because people like Steve Bannon, people like Gorka, people like Miller, people, other people who are probably sprinkled throughout this administration believe this point of view. Never let a crisis go to waste. That was the Obama mantra for eight years. And the left is doing that right now. And the left is the media. Black women for Trump. Interesting stuff. The right has repeatedly disavowed, denounced, and vehemently rejected the KKK and Nazi groups. When will the left denounce BLM and Antifa? N.T. Gilbert. I'm a black Trump supporter who's afraid of wearing my Trump hat for fear of being attacked by brazen liberal hate groups. Resist the ideocracy. Can you imagine after Florida to the president responded with, well, there's violence on both sides? That's the one I was talking about. He did. They called that workplace violence. They never even call it a terrorist attack. Which is my point. Now you want this to be a terrorist attack. But you had soldiers killing people on post. You said it was workplace violence. People in Tennessee shot and killed. Workplace violence. James Woods. Well, we know this is one person who's happy today. George Soros, who funds BLM and Antifa. John Cardillo, what I've learned today, you can condemn Nazis a murderer, but if you don't join the cult of leftism, you're a Nazi who supports murder. Peter Centovic. Exactly the same guy that, I can't say his name right, but that Rich Lowry was talking about. Eric Lipton, New York Times. Sorry to be cynical, but most of all, Rubio and Ted Cruz, to, to me, seem mostly to be doing a tremendous job of posturing for 2020. Proving the point. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the president said. It doesn't matter what conservatives say. They hate them so much and they use everything as a cudgel to try to win elections that the heinous crime that was committed is now just a fundraising asset for the DCCC. And it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you word it. It's a cult on the left. It's a cult. So all this machinations about he didn't say this and they didn't say that, they're pinning this on all white people, all Trump voters, all conservatives, all everybody. And yet when a guy shoots people on a baseball diamond, we're told not to do it. To prove that this was the plan all of along to turn this to violence for political gain. I will send you out with a BLM person being interviewed by the media who's saying this is a total victory for us. They allowed them to come in, be violent, which doesn't make what the guy did right. But now you see why things got out of hand. Now you see why all this went to hell. It went to hell 
Because they wanted it to. Because they wanted it to use it for political gain. As we've played on this show, the left believes people are going to have to die to get what they want. And that's a Trump impeachment. They said it all the time in the initial push after the election. So BLM and Antifa went down there to make it as violent as they possibly could. Now people are injured and dead. And now the media and the DNC establishment will use it to try to win back the Senate and the House. Everybody involved in this is a fucking un-American piece of goddamn shit. I shit on all of you. And I wish nothing but fucking discontent and pain to come upon your houses. I'm going medieval on this shit. You're fucking pieces of shit. Americans don't take to the street and scream and yell and blow shit up. They don't do it. You act like a goddamn adult. You get your sorry fucking ass in voter booths. And that's how you change things. But under Barack Hussein Obama, who told people to go to the shit streets in your house coat and your slippers, and created BLM with his rhetoric, we are now living in times that we have so many fucking cretin pieces of shit bringing violence to our streets for political gain. Here's BLM claiming a victory a music break, and news, social media nuggets. Kind of divided. Like, do you guys, other activists experts on the left um, said this was like an unequivocal victory? Do you think that's the case? Absolutely, and unambiguously. We, we were triumphant here today. This will go down in history, right? It's one of the biggest clashes of this generation, and we were right here on the front lines. He was pepper sprayed. He was pepper sprayed. He was pepper sprayed. Come here. He was hit with tear gas and had so much pepper spray on him that his body was burning. Burning. The street paramedics took him into a shelter and, uh, and, and, and allowed him to take a shower and gave him a change of clothes, thanks to the city of uh, Charlottesville for that. And this brother right here was pepper sprayed three times. You can see the milk they used to get it out of his eyes right there. So it was really, really really intense out there. Yeah, it was, it was, more, it was intense. It was more pepper spray and, than I've uh, ever seen. Uh, but it was, it was the other protesters who were assaulting a group. Right. Where was the arrest for that? Where, where, I, I, you know, I, I mean, if you're going to declare this a state of emergency, then I think it would have to be uh, out of the hands of the police. But the police weren't hands-on. Mm-hmm. Okay? Maybe that's one of the reasons why we have people being ran over in the streets right now. Mm-hmm. I hear one of those ladies, some of uh, the folks that came down with us were on the scene. One of those ladies might not make it. It was really bad. Really bloody. Yeah, I've heard that, uh, yeah. that there was one. I've heard that there was one. Uh, is there. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you guys have plans for the rest of the weekend? Like tonight? More uh, demonstrations? Tonight I'm going home and I'm going to hold my newborn. And I'm going to kiss her. Oh and I'm going to tell her that daddy was fighting for you. Right, and this is what we're doing. We we fight for black liberation, right? But there are brown people in our group, there are white people in our group. We fight for humanity, and we're standing on the front lines against hate. People who have machine guns, and we're standing toe to toe with them. 
fuck white supremacy. Thank you very much. No problem.
Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Military Corner, and I usually am so excited to do this, but I have an article that is going to make me pull out Samuel L. Jackson, because this week, the traitor piece of fucking shit who got a free sex change while he was in goddamn prison, Chelsea Manning, the convicted trailer, traitor, fucking traitor, Obama even called him a traitor, lefties. He's on the cover of Vogue. On the cover of Vogue in a fucking bathing suit. That's what Vogue did this week. That's how far the media has gone. Shoshana Weissman, again, your primary issue, this should be the whole treason thing. Because they don't want any transphobia. RBE, yay traitors. FYI, Chelsea Manning actually colluded with real Russian agents, which you said Trump did, but you have no proof. And you're putting her on the cover of fucking Vogue, or he, or it, or whatever the fuck. They had a whole article. Chelsea Manning changed the course of history. Now she's focusing on herself. 
It's not like I'm living in fear or anything, Manning said. I'm so glad to be out and about and walking around. Here, Manning, in a Norma Kamali swimsuit, photographed by Annie Lebovitz for Vogue, September 2017. One hot, humid, early summer evening in New York, a hired car slows on Bleecker Street. A young woman inside prepares for her first party out in years. She is wearing a midnight-colored, semi-formal dress by Alzura and Everlane, ankle boots with heels. Her hair is trimmed into a pixie cut. Her makeup softens, but won't hide a dust of freckles. I don't know if I'll know anybody, she fretted earlier, but she seems to have quelled what nerves remain. She is accompanied by a couple of men who surround her like guards for the first time in a long time. That's a welcome thing. Chelsea Manning, graceful, blue-eyed, trans... Smiles and prepares herself. Since her release from Fort Leavenworth prison on May 17th, Manning has been living in New York with a low profile. Tonight she will make her social debut in her own skin from February to April 2010 while living as Bradley, an Army intelligence analyst stationed in Iraq. Manning sent three quarters of a million classified or sensitive documents to WikiLeaks. The breach's breath was startling as where its contents, ranging from so-called collateral murder video, showing a U.S. helicopter killing a group of Baghdad pedestrians, including children and press, to hundreds of thousands of Cablegate documents. The rest of this article makes her out to be a hero, and then they bring another trans in, a, I guess a drag queen, flawless it's not easy to change the world. I am so proud of you, she says, and gives him a tight hug. Manning comes next. Flawless wraps her arms around her. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. When Manning stands, she moves briskly towards the door. Flawless eyes are wet with tears. And I now introduce all of you. Vogue, the left, the Bradley, Chelsea, whatever the fuck you're calling self, traitor fucking ass, who should have been hung, go fuck yourself and hang out with Samuel L. Jackson. Motherfuckers think y'all run everything. God damn, I'm glad I took my frickin' blood pressure today. You fucking piece of shit. Alright, happy music's playing. We're, we're gonna get into happy zone with the crazy. Wonder Woman! And many, there were women-only screenings of this movie. No shit. And Stephen Miller of Red Stays, as well as is known on Twitter, crashed it well. Dang, looks like those women-only Wonder Woman screenings were illegal. Turns out that when men whined about being banned from the screening, they had a legal point. And Austin Movie Theaters being accused of violating anti-discrimination laws after promoting women-only screenings of Wonder Woman in June. The Alamo Draft House, a theater chain, announced it would be holding women-only screenings in Austin and later expand those screenings to New York and Denver, and all of them were illegal and against anti-discrimination laws. Hmm. 
bunch of gnashing of teeth over it because at the end of the day, they believe they, what they did is okay. We can discriminate all we want. And let's be honest, we covered on the show, they, they have no whites allowed, gay houses and shit all over the fucking place. But that's nice to see them at the pay of fine. Good for them. Name calling between children investigated by UK police as transphobic hate incident. This is a real thing in the UK. And we've shown on there with the dog doing Zeke Hiles that they take this shit seriously. And it, wow, citizens are losing their mind over it because there's so many stabbings. And I, I think this guy does it. Kids name calling be investigated. It's like mankind wants to trigger itself out of existence. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? Good God. So they called each other. It's probably somebody said fag or something. Which once again we've shown on the show. I mean, come on. That was a term of endearment when I was growing up. I never even knew it related to gays. Why a Hollywood billboard featured 43,412 nude scenes. This is a sign that the apocalypse is coming. MrSkin.com celebrated its 18th birthday to put a billboard up with a bunch of mini fucking teeny pictures of boobies and ass. The fuck is wrong with you people? Nudity is a new black designer shocks with naked fashion show. Is this just not mailing it in or what? What what the... It's a whole article. It's a real thing, man. Dude just sent people down the runway with like a neck choker or fucking ninth pair of high heels, butt naked, and they called it fashion. Well, fuck, I could do that. Sweet Jesus, man. I'll be the best fashion goddamn... Okay, I don't want to be a fucking fashion creator or whatever they call them. That's not really my speed, but sweet God... He ends with all bodies are different, which part of what makes us interesting. Yeah. Okay. Within the article, Butt Naked USA, Yanks strip off for naked Instagram craze. I didn't know you could have nudity on Instagram, but when I clicked the link, it is an entire site where people just submit nature shots of them butt-ass naked. They're calling it art. I thought it was porn. Hmm. Wow. Residents who lost home in fire, wait for it, were trying to ward off evil spirits. No shit. Whole article on it. They were in Orange County in California, and they were like doing some kind of seance type fucking shit, trying to eve off the, you know, ward off evil spirits, and they caught their fucking house on fire. So I'm thinking all the spirits are gone. You're good to go. You can go move back into the ashes. You fucking dumbasses. This one's horrible. Elderly Denver man died in an elevator after twice pushing emergency button. The dude was stuck in there for about a month until they found his body. And now they're investigating. How the fuck does that happen? What, did nobody ever use this elevator? That's kind of scary. To people fucking fighting the wave. Hollywood rarity. Twilight actress calls unborn baby a miracle. 
Nikki Reed graced the September cover of Fit Pregnancy while discussing inside the pregnancy of her first child husband, Ian Summerhald, from Vampire Diaries. From calling her unborn baby a miracle to crediting pregnancy for making her a better version of myself, Reed emerged as a Hollywood rarity. You know, I'm wondering a little bit, my son and the, you know, his crowd, they're starting to fight against all this crazy shit, and I'm hoping over time, maybe Hollywood people will notice, you can separate yourself from the crowd by not being a sheep. You really could. But children are, they are a miracle. That's why aborting 1,096,000 like Planned Parenthood does makes them evil fucking ghouls. Evil fucking ghouls. They're just ghouls. To the crazy, crazy, alt-left insanity, take your kids to a climate justice fashion show. That's a real thing. That takes us to Jezebel being extra entertaining. Here's a story headline. At a climate justice fashion show, the kids prove they're going to be all right. Yep, climate justice fashion show. This is the ultimate in intersectionality. Let's merge stupid fashion choices with sustainability, and the result is well entertaining. The article starts by whining about how Trump's medieval budget proposal would effectively eliminate the Office of Environmental Justice. Fashion may not seem like an obvious part of the story here, but the $620 billion industry has managed to become one of the world's major polluters while somehow dodging that reputation. As Racked pointed out in March, there are no solid emission numbers to hold it accountable. The article then quoted trans model Maya Moans, just by being me, me being present and existing as a trans woman of color, also Latina, Dominican in the industry, said Moans, just by me existing, that's already a revolutionary thing, just by me walking into the room, oh, we like ourselves. Remember the term intersectionality, it means you can't ever agree with one thing and be accepted by liberals, you have to embrace their agenda, hook, line, and sinker, and it goes on to break down, I just wanted to read that part because it's fucking horrible, um, that basically they wear recycled shit. And that's a fashion show. Okay, I'll stick to the naked one. Even if you're gay, the alt-left might attack you. No matter how liberal you are, it takes, it takes is, all it takes is one slip-up and the mob will form makeup artist Patrick Starr. Yep, three R's have changed a bit. I didn't catch that. Star with three R's. Ooh, we're cool. Did a tribute to Solange Knowles by dressing up just like her. Unluckily for Star, that included wearing a massive Afro wig, an effect he achieved by stacking two wigs together. But he committed a sin. I'll let Cosmo describe this wrong thing. But other folks dropped into Patrick's mention to point out that a Filipino man, the use of an Afro wig could be constituted as a sort of a cultural appropriation, even when done in the name of accurate homage. The social media star, Star, has 3.5 million Instagram fans. Cultural appropriation is bad news even when you are gay. I'm a boy. I have a turban. I'm gay, he was quoted saying at Fashionista. Not good enough. You must grovel to the gods of diversity. So he did, issuing this apology. I want to apologize for offending anyone with my hairstyle last night. I wanted to celebrate a beautiful hairstyle inspired by Solange. 
I'm not in any way claiming to be black. I'm Filipino and accepting, and I hope we can all celebrate beauty and diversity all together. No! You just did digital blackface! The police are coming in. There's going to be like little bots going to cross the stream. You cannot use this gift. You cannot use this gift. Put the gift down! You fucking weirdos. AFP News Agency. Female Hollywood directors want quotas for diversity. I never want to be hired because I'm a woman director, but maybe at this moment there needs to be quota, said Maggie Kiley, speaking at a Television Critics Association roundtable Wednesday with female directors organized by FX Network. Here's a problem, Maggie Kiley. I've never heard of you. If that's what it takes, then that's what it takes, added Rachel Goldberg, another person I've never fucking heard of. A report on industry diversity from the University of California at Los Angeles says that just 10% of Hollywood producers are women and 10% are racial minorities. The Salma Hayek, a piece of shit, came in. Generalizations? You got them. Men do a lot less, she told Net Apporters Magazine, the edit. They are less demanding on themselves and their standards are lower, yet they feel entitled to ask for raises or promotion. Women are a lot more demanding of ourselves than men are. It's a horrible sensation. We're not enough at work. We're not enough for the guys who are cheating on us. We're not enough for our children who always want more of us, no matter what we give. The star said. I'll let Momo handle this. I was told sexist stereotypes create a hostile work environment, and it's violence to point out difference between men and women. We just went with this to Google, yet she just did it. I don't see anybody getting upset. But, one of the other tweeters summed it up. The Guardian will be firing the horrible person who wrote this bigoted article, perpetuating gender stereotypes, right? And blacklist her. No, I don't see that happening. A couple months ago, or a year ago, whatever, because it's so hard, they all kind of bleed together. We had legging gates, where airlines were saying leggings weren't appropriate wear for the stewardess who were hopping rides. Not for the customers. The stewardess. Because they have a dress code. The world exploded. It was another one of those faux outrage moments. Well, guess what? Saudi Arabian Airlines warns passengers who show bare arms, legs, or feet can be denied boarding. To be more specific, the dress code applies to women exposing legs or arms or wearing too thin or too tight clothes and men wearing shorts, 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 which I don't know what shorts are, shorts exposing legs. Yeah. Wait till that gets out. To our super hypocrisy in the crazy section, here are two articles that were put out this week that if you did this under any other administration would be sexist, misogynistic. Oh, you'd be a piece of shit. Newsweek. Trump women wear high heels, a symbol of everything that is beautiful and horrifying about them. That's a real article. And this was written by a lady who asked to suck Bill Clinton's dick. Yeah, I guess it was a big thing I researched. And she fucking really wanted to suck his dick. This hiatus allows us to reflect on a minor Trumpian trend to which the nation has become accustomed to since January. Ubiquitous stiletto pumps. The virtuous spike heel shoe is not currently in fashion, but for Ivanka... Ivana, Melania, and the Trump daughters-in-law, Carrie Bradshaw, 
Shoe of choice never went out of style. In fact, the female co- consorts of the leader of the free world do not set foot in public without first modeling their arches into the supernatural curve the Mattel toy designers once devised for plastic Barbie feet. That's a real article. A woman. I need a moment before I explode on this degrading and absolutely fucking ridiculous garbage. But oh no, there's more! It just didn't stop there. Oh wait a minute, let me get the point in. Tommy, I barely took one second to blow this away with a bunch of pictures of Obama's staff women in high heels and a shit ton of Melania, Ivanka, Ivana, Ichanka, Chachinga, and all the rest of the fucking Trump ladies and flats. But the cut decided that wasn't good enough. And they went with political peroxide. Blonde privilege. privilege. And then, I cannot speak this morning. Privilege. And then, of course, there are the politics of hair cover, color, attributes associated with whiteness, light skin, narrow nose, have dominated American beauty ideals as long as there's been such a thing, which means that blondness has always been charged. The 50s gave us Doris Day, who once said that her only ambition ever had been to be a housewife and a good marriage. To be blonde was to be a good American woman, pure of intention and heart, which implies also, of course, that to be a good American woman, pure of intention and heart, meant being blonde. Betty was blonde. Veronica was troubled. Ditto Sandy and Rizzo. Hitchcock liked to cast blondes because he said they made the best victims. The color was virgin snow that showed up on the bloody footprints. Well, Fox News and Donald Trump have given blonde hair a new chapter. Now blonde is the color of the right, for whom whiteness has become the hallmark. Over the past decade or so, as inclusiveness became a hallmark of Obama era, and left-found feminist icons like Rachel Maddow, who's really a dude, Samantha Powers, who's a fucking liar, and Michelle Obama, who's a fucking annoying, who made no apologies for their failure to fit traditional ideas, but hashtag mega... Fox News America is a place where all the classic signifiers of privilege and wealth work on overdrive. Country club issue blue blazers with brass buttons and khaki pants. And above all else for women, that yellow blonde, carefully tended hair, a dog whistle of whiteness. Yeah, that's an actual article. Backed up by salons, V's, Aryan sisterhood. They know only one hair color, blonde. They did a whole article on how blonde is now the white nationalist hair. You know we're living in stupid times when articles like this are actually being printed. I mean, that is some lame-ass shit. But not as lame as this. Berlin announces scheme for urinals for women. Yeah, because they're bitching about they don't get urinals. And it's basically a Korean toilet on the floor. And they show you using a bowl or something to piss in and you pour it in there. Yeah. That's a real thing. That's happening. In the name of diversity. Inside abandoned UFO village where families lived in spaceships before flying saucer cabins were left to rot. I'm getting off the crazy and going into even crazier. This is a whole village and it was a Finnish village. 
And it's way cool. Every little cottage, you know, was on the inside it was a normal house, but it was actually a spaceship. <clears throat> to millennial shit. Hold my avocado is the viral catchphrase millennials have been looking for. Real article. And instead of saying hold my beer somehow, some way, millennials are now saying hold my avocado. Wow. That's fucking embarrassing if that's your catchphrase. I don't know the validity, so any millennials out there that may listen to this, please email foppodcast at gmail.com and tell me if this is a true thing. If it is, I'll fly to wherever you are and slap the shit out of you. Come on, man. Hold my avocado. What the fuck? In space news, asteroid to shave past Earth inside Moon's orbit. Ooh, this is scary. Asteroid the size of a house will shave past Earth at a distance of some 44,000 kilometers or 27,300 miles in October inside the moon's orbit, astronomers say. The space rock will zoom by in an eighth of the distance from the Earth to the moon, far enough to just miss our geostationary satellites orbiting at about 36,000 kilometers, according to the European Space Agency. It will not hit the Earth. That's the important thing to say. Yeah. The asteroid dubbed TC4 first flitted past our planet in 2012. Then at about double the distance from disappearing. It's about 15 to 30 meters long. Scientists expected the asteroid to return for a near-Earth rendezvous this year, but did not know how far. Which makes me think for, you know, that's what, five years? Then five more years, it gets closer and closer and closer. Boom! Freaking scary. To our uh, phone internet craziness, not sexting, you're weird, study says. It's the joy of sext, with a T on the end. Sexting is now a normal part of human relationships, according to a massive new study of sex and tech. 74% of Americans say they exchange saucy electronic messages with their lovers. The researchers surveyed more than 140,000 people from 198 countries about the role of tech in their sex lives. Worldwide, 67% of adults said they've sexted, a staggering increase from just five years ago when only 21% said they had. An old school text message is still the most common way for people over 18 to transmit their salacious thoughts, with 65% of Americans saying they've sent sexy SMSs while only 38% use Snapchat. And I guess that's showing a picture of their junk. And as I've said numerous times on the show, men don't take pictures of their junk unless they have a little plastic Empire State Building behind it or the space shuttle or the moon. You do something to make it look huge. Gotta have some props. If not, it just looks like a stick in a thorn brush. Let's be honest. Isn't like we all shave our balls. Grown men don't shave their balls either. That's gross. Yes, my friends, finally a liberal cause I can get behind. Fat Studies course deems weightism a social justice issue. Woohoo! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. 
Fed Studies is returning to Oregon State University next spring when students will be able to earn three credits to explore forms of activism used to counter weightism perpetuated throughout various societal institutions. <laughs> My course now frames body image disturbances more as a function of oppressive societal structures than of individual pathology, Patty Lou Watkins explained in a 2012 academic journal article. According to a syllabus from the course, examined by Campus Reform, students will examine body weight, shape, and size as an area of human difference subject to privilege and discrimination that intersects with other systems of oppression based on gender, race, class, age, sexual orientation, and ability. The field of fat studies has undergone tremendous growth in recent years. The course will be taught by Professor Patty Lou Watkins, who has written extensively on body image dis disorders, particularly as they relate to weight bias and physical activity. Indeed, as the war on obesity has escalated, so has weight-based bias and discrimination, Watkins adds, noting that weight bias is particularly evident among healthcare professionals comprising the well-being of their patients. I'm finally going to go out on the street with a chat sheet and my big old piece of freaking poster board and go, Stop being a waitist! <laughs> Do our lighter fare. All right, I just want to talk about one. I was going to play the soundbite, but it's kind of silly. Um, I found this online and I laugh my ass off. It's literally a dog in a car. And A, you should never leave your dog in the car, regardless of it's winter or summer. They can fucking die. And I have a wife that literally will call the cops just as soon as she'd call it on kids. Um, it's very dangerous for the animals, so you shouldn't be doing it. But it looks like this person was getting ready to take them to the vet or whatever. They ran back in to get something. And the dog literally gets in the front seat and he's pounding the doggone horn looking at the house like, let's fucking go. Get the fuck in the car. I got to go. And I thought that was just freaking hilarious. I had a soundbite on topless trolling, which is, with the way the show went today, I'm not going to play it. It was really funny, but it was a, a bit out of... uh some reporter going to an event that they were talking how it was unfair for men to be able to go topless and women couldn't in society with porn stars being the people. Um, but doesn't seem good today. So I'll play the backup, which is sent to me by Steve in Georgia from Facebook. It is my heart will go on from Titanic with the last play from last year's divisional between the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. Enjoy. Hits from 51, but it doesn't count. He's going to have to do it again. He sure is, and he sure nailed that one. It was a perfect snap and hold, and he drilled it. This to send the Packers in the NFC Championship game.
That is fantastic. And the best part about it is, you know, Steve is a Vikings fan. So I have promised him this year. I used to travel a lot. And my hours were terrible. I was getting up like 4 in the morning to go do trips or whatever. And he and I would talk shit on Facebook. We're not shit, but we just kind of have fun watching the game together when we played each other. And, you know, I was terrible. I'd have to say, hey, I'm going to bed. Have a good night. But this year I'm going to try to stay up more so we can talk back. And him sending me this, it, it had to hurt because he's a Vikings fan. Um he hates the Packers just as much as I hate the Vikings, but it was a nice gift. So thanks, Steve. Okay, we're going to close with this great article from the Federalist. Google firing over diversity memo shows how outrage addiction is making us stupid. To feed their addiction, outrage addicts have embraced the following idiotic syllogism. I am mad at people who say X. I am mad at you. Therefore, you said X. I think with everything going on in our country and every story I cover, this is perfect. And I'm going to read it to close out today because I think we all, including me, need to think about our outrage all the time about fucking everything. It's a little ridiculous. After Gizmodo leaked Demore's memo, numerous voices in the media began twisting his words. He said women may be genetically unsuited for tech jobs, barked the Washington Post. That guy didn't want any woman near a computer, proclaimed CNN. When Google CEO Sundar Pichai finally addressed the controversy, he stated, to suggest a group of our colleagues have traits that make them less biologically suited to that work is offensive and not okay. Quite simply, Google fired Demore not for what he said, but for what the media claim he said. The distinction between all women are incapable of holding these jobs and most women aren't interested in these jobs is not a difficult one to grasp. Why then were the media and Google so quickly to dice Damore into Soylent Green and can him? The answer is quite simple. We are now a bunch of outrage addicts so desperate for our daily anger fix that we've turned ourselves imbeciles trying to get it internet outrage is an addiction just like gambling or sex outrage can become a process addiction a form of behavior that our bodies come to rely on to feel good the mechanics of anger addiction are simple when we erupt in anger our brains get a hit of dopamine which yields a sense of euphoria just as drug users will quickly become dependent on their substance of choice to get that euphoria, those who overindulge in outrage will often end up relying on the behavior to release the desired dopamine. It's easy to see how this addiction plays out online. Twitter perhaps being the best example. Man A wakes up in the morning, immediately reaches for his smartphone and finds via those he follows for this sort of stuff. An article about today's sinner. <laughs> The one who must be shamed and ridiculed for being a woman hater, minority hater, cop hater, animal hater. Man A then begins spewing insults and vitriol at this person, then repeats the cycle the next day. In other words, Man A wakes up in the morning feeling miserable and wanting to dopamine release. So he goes to his dealer or officer something to be angry about and newer, better fix du jour. Man A then explodes in anger at someone he very well may not, never have heard of before and will likely forget all about in a few days. 
So true. He enjoys a dopamine hit for a moment, then finds a new target and repeats the cycle as soon as the high wears off. This is why probably more often than not, those vomiting venom at someone on social media haven't even read the article they're sharing. Which was totally the case in Damore, and it's totally the case in Charlottesville, because nobody is talking or looking and researching to find out why did things get so out of hand. Because everybody evil was there. Why risk discovering some detail in the source material that might change your mind or take your I can't even meter from an 11 to a 3? To extract as much outrage from the hides of today's sinner, the outrage addict embraces brain rot and remains in deliberate ignorance. You never said that? We don't care. Likewise, when outrage addicts do manage to read the article, the desire gets stoned on anger after rendered them either unwilling or unable to understand very important but very simple distinctions. The truth is we want to be angry. Outrage addiction, of course, knows no political boundaries. It's not just progressives who have suppressed their critical thinking skills and attempt to release dopamine through their anger. During Trump's campaign, many conservatives rejoiced to hear him rail against Mexico and China for causing job losses in the manufacturing sector while failing to recognize their primary cause. Why didn't they know that automation was killing more of the jobs than bad trade deals? For many, the answer is they just wanted someone to be mad at, so they quit researching the issue once they found out an anger source. It's time for some humility. What we ought to believe, then, is what God proclaims in the scripture, that a man is owed our honor and love, not because he's earned it from us, but because Christ earned it for him when he laid down his life for all mankind at Calvary. As St. John put it, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For those that aren't religious, maybe we should start just looking at the simple fact that the news media is about ratings. They want controversy. If they can't find controversy, they make controversy, as Brooke Baldwin did with this Google memo. She just made it up. She wanted good ratings. She wanted to say something outlandish. I truly believe half the people that are out there screeching about Trump just say crazy shit so they can get their fucking hour of fame. Because that's all it is now. It's an hour. You get an hour. Spread out through a whole day on CNN and MSDNC. Used to be 15 minutes of fame, but now it's an hour. And then you're done because somebody else says something outlandish about Trump or about conservatives or about white people. So as we go out in this week, understand, as I am, all week they're going to keep talking about this tragedy in Virginia. They didn't do that for the shooting of Washington because it wasn't their political ilk. They used it as a cudgel to ban- banish you know, conservatives or the evil people saying horrible things. They're all misogynist, sexist, racist, transphobes, fucking xenophobes, EIOophobes, and all the other shit. And then they found something else to be outraged about. This will last one week. They'll drag this shit out through the funerals, and then they'll compare how Trump didn't go to the funeral, Trump didn't sing, sing fucking Amazing Grace at the funeral, 
It will not be the healer in chief. Chuck Todd displayed this outrage addiction. And that soundbite I played. He tweeted it. Then he did it in the opening. Then he did a whole section on it. Then he did a whole panel on it. Because he wants to go back to Obama. Somebody he looked up to. He admired who drank the same Kool-Aid he did. And so now everybody has to be like Obama. When most of us in the country looked at Obama and realized he was pandering. What did he really do for the African American community? Crime was up. Unemployment was up. Fucking food stamps were up. Everything was up. He didn't approve a goddamn thing. He helped Wall Street just like the previous president. And Clinton did. And Carter did. And Reagan did. And Trump's doing That's our system. Wall Street's profitable, country's good. Wall Street goes to shit, country goes into depression. It's simple economics. But it's the outrage. And right now, with Trump in the White House, we have outrage over everything. They fall over themselves to criticize the man. My cure for it is the only time I look at this shit is during my research for podcasts. Don't want to sound like a hypocrite since I do a political podcast show, but I don't watch the news at all anymore. I already know what it's going to be. It's insert new faux outrage. Insert fake outrage by twisting words. We've proven it on the show. He never said all Mexicans are rapists and fucking criminals. Never said it once. You go on the street of America, the media needed that so that they could try to bash him so he wouldn't beat their candidate. So you go on the streets and you ask average Americans, did Donald Trump say that all Mexicans are rapists and criminals? And they'll say yes. Because they never researched. They never looked up anything. Understand, there are things that sneak out on my show that I couldn't verify. And I say it. But I think you see on Charlottesville, I didn't play the racist because I didn't need to play the racist. That's all you saw. I played all the other evil motherfuckers that are just like the racist in Virginia. And what they were doing which equated to all the violence. Objectively speaking, the actual Nazi motherfucking pieces of shit did less violence, other than ramming a car into people, than the other groups did when you watch YouTube and Twitter. You don't see them from the get-go causing violence. You see the other groups. Thus, in my mind, all of them are wrong. Every one of them are sorry motherfuckers. That's not outrage. That's just a fact. So as we go out this week and start another beautiful week of faux outrage, remember this little article. I think we all can take a moment just to go, okay, is this true? Let's check it out. And especially on Twitter. If you went to my personal Twitter, there was a time I was outraged, man, and I was just firing off buckshot at all sorts of people. 
Now I rarely tweet other than listen to my new sound when I post my podcasts. It's not worth it. The people that you're yelling at are yelling at you. We have come to a point where facts don't matter. The truth is insignificant. We're all in our little camps and we hate on each other. Right now, the left is just a hateful organization that fucking hates everything. They hate the people that voted for Trump. They hate their dogs. But, having said that, I also say to all of you out there who were Trump supporters, or your conservatives, members of the NRA, hey, I I took my NRA sticker off my car. I'm about to go on a long trip. I, I don't want any shit. I already went through it through 2012 where my car was surrounded by a bunch of thugs, black and white, and this little group calling me a fucking racist in Georgia because I had a no Obama sticker. After talking to me, because I stood my ground, they all left and laughed because I said it ain't about us being too black, as they were saying. It's because he's too blue. And I learned a valuable lesson that we're in crazy times. There's crazy people out there. And with the media ratcheting up and the fucking, especially the Democratic politicians ratcheting this shit up that all white people are to be to blamed, it's scary times. You need to be safe. You need to keep your head on the swivel when you go to places you don't, especially if you're running around with a fucking Trump sticker on your car. It's dangerous times. People are unhinged because this outrage machine has taken it to a level that's scary. I will be off the grid. Effective today. I come back next Sunday from Pensacola Beach. I'm bringing a travel mic. It's a good possibility. I'm going to try to link up with Stephen in Florida and have a beer and a lunch someplace. Maybe get him on mic for a few seconds on the digital. Because I'm going to bring the digital recorder with me. And we'll go totally low speed and convert it over. But I'm going to try to get a podcast in route. The wife wants me to because she wants some time to herself. So she wants me to get the fuck away and told me to bring it. So I'm going to bring the blue snowball with me to do something from the room. And I plan on most definitely recording from the beach and trying to get a beach recording um, where I'm definitely more calm and just talk about life in general. So this wraps up another long episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-G. C-A-S-T at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and email us. There you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blogs on my blog page, which I have not done in a long time. As stated, we'll try to get one out during the week or next Tuesday, which is the 22nd, the 21st. I'm going to be busy holding a kid's uh, solar eclipse party. Got it all hooked up. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's good for the kids to have something because 
most of the stuff where I live is going to be Eclipse for Adults. Enjoy your week. Remember to take time. Enjoy your family and friends and those you love. And push pause on the outrage machine because it's going to be an outrageous week with a lot of dumb shit on your TV. We're saved by football starting, so there'll be plenty of football games. Flip it to that. Give CNN and MSDNC and Fox a break. And have a fantastic week. As always, thanks for listening, friends, and take care.